Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. What's up, Gypsy Gang? Welcome back to the Gypsy Tales podcast. If this is your fourth episode this week, congratulations. Uh, it has been pretty massive. Don't even think about it, Ronan. All right? You can wait to crumble the paper until after we introduce the show. Um, yeah, big week for us here in the studio. Uh, bigger week than we probably, uh, that probably makes sense for a podcast at times. Um, it's a lot of content. It's a lot of shows. It's like 12 hours of shows to put out this week. Um but sometimes you get badass dudes that have got shit going on. Uh, Joel Evans is racing this weekend. Uh, Benny Marnie is fighting this weekend. And Jeremy Skinner, our guest for this podcast, is going to try and strangle the life out of another man on Saturday night here on the Gold Coast. So uh, Jeremy is one of Australia's best uh, now black belts. Uh, he's, one of, he's one of the few competitors in Australia... Uh, that has dedicated his entire life to jiu-jitsu. Uh, he is a professional at it, even in a sport that doesn't necessarily make you a lot of money uh, until you reach like that very top echelon. But you can't reach that echelon without committing your life to jiu-jitsu first. Uh, so Skin Man has just got his black belt a couple of weeks ago from Lachlan Giles, who you might remember uh, from previous episodes of the podcast. Uh, he's an awesome dude. Um, we've been able to hang out a couple of times, we've been able to train together a couple of times, and I've been very excited for the day uh, that he has come on the podcast, and uh, and it didn't disappoint. We were able to talk jiu-jitsu uh, pretty much non-stop for three hours. Um, it was really, really cool to hear the way that um, he thinks about learning, the way that he thinks about teaching, um, some of the concepts within jiu-jitsu. So if you're a jiu-jitsu nerd, very great episode um, for you uh, to listen to. Um, Jeremy is in town for the Classic Pro. Uh, you can follow those guys at Classic Jiu-Jitsu. I went to their last event uh, at Mermaid. Uh, shout out to my boy Shane uh, fighting there that night. Shout out to Felipe, uh, both monsters uh, from my Galab Brothers Academy. Uh, and both of those boys were on the last card. I was there to support. It was a phenomenal event. Uh, they do a pay-per-view live stream as well. Unfortunately, I won't be able to go this uh, Saturday to watch the, the guys compete. Um, but it is Classic Pro Mermaid Waters Hotel, Saturday, April 10. Uh, starts at 7 
p.m. Main event, Jeremy Skinner versus Keenan Clark. Uh, so that is going to be uh, a banger. Uh, shout out to my boy, Hennan Hideki, uh, black belt from my academy. Literally took the first class of jiu-jitsu that I ever did. I've trained with him ever since. Absolutely love the dude, and he is a legend. Uh, so good luck to him and also Sean McFarlane, uh, one of my training partners from day one as well. Get goosebumps even thinking about those boys. So Best of luck uh, to those guys. Best of luck to Jeremy and everybody else competing at Classic Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, there's also a handful of seminars. Um, might be a bit late, but if you're in Brizzy, we'll in Gabba, 5.30 today. Uh, so April 9, Art Suave. Sunday, Full Metal Jiu-Jitsu in Burley. Uh, Sunday again in the afternoon at Compton Training Center. And then Monday at CMBT in Varsity Lakes. So if you want to do a seminar with Jeremy while he's in Queensland, you can... Uh, you can hit one of those dates speaking of cmbt they're one of our sponsors uh we're brought to you by the guys at cmbt nutrition combat nutrition you can head to cmbtnutrition.com.au uh their stuff is made by by uh combat athletes for combat athletes no exaggeration miles and sell the two uh figureheads of that company literally just had fights both a couple of weeks apart um Awesome people, an awesome company. It's all plant-based um, if you are a, pl- a plant-based person. Uh, I'm not in other areas of my life, but I really find that that protein uh, works for me. Uh, I'm all over the BCAA formula uh, that they do as well. I'm taking that every single time I train without fail. Uh, I just feel like I kind of, like obviously water's good. I got a bottle of water there too, but I feel like the uh, what that that drink has inside it just gives you like extra energy while you're in the thick of it um so yeah that's that cmbt search it it's really good Uh, we're also brought to you by the guys at boost mobile uh boost.com.au for australia's best uh prepaid service provider they're on the full telstra 4g network uh best in the business i am on the 300 240 gig uh last for 12 months um i'm on my second one of those i went through one last year uh i'm on one now uh it's yeah i honestly like that just the whole boost program you can pretty much do everything for your phone through boost buying a new phone um this phone that i got right now is a refurbished phone from boost i run their sim card uh with their prepaid plan it's literally a one-stop shop uh, and it's cheaper than everything else uh we're also brought to you by the guys at crick's tweed you can head to crickstweed.com.au uh we'll be doing an instagram takeover on our drive down to the transmodo event at coffs harbor this weekend so thank you everybody for um a great week thank you ronan for a great week we have been in here grinding it out to to get these podcasts out before um these awesome dudes that we've had on the podcast this week compete so jeremy skinner i'm very glad that we got this done i've been wanting to do it for a really long time it won't be the last podcast we do together um but for everybody else enjoy this now you can lick your fucking paper ronan Sweet. Skin man. <laughs> We're getting it done. I'm stoked to have you in the studio, dude. We've been hyping this up for a little while. Yeah. I think just between us, we've just yeah. been quite quite excited. I don't know that that many people know that um, we've had this plan, but we have had this plan for ages. Yeah. I think um, we were talking about this, yeah, pre-COVID and 
I think, yeah, just exactly that. Like COVID yeah. stopped this from happening. So it's yeah. good to finally be here. Dude, yeah. No, I'm stoked. It's just cool to cool to see you because we haven't even really spoke that much. No, um, we before haven't. Before we've even done it. So Yeah, I think, I think we've like, yeah, met twice and then just like chatted on Instagram a little bit like here yeah. and there. So yeah just what you're one of those guys but it was just instant homies i was like yeah, oh absolutely skin man's the fucking he's the guy how long had you been training for um at that first seminar it hadn't even it hadn't even been a year had it nah it would have been almost two years I almost reckon. two years yeah yeah, or, um, yeah i don't know because i didn't have my blue belt yet though no you didn't so i think it took me two years to get my blue but belt. you were right into it at the time like i, I remember that like you you've taken a jiu-jitsu um yeah. like like yeah and, and it's it's really cool to see like like where you've gone now because when was um we were just talking before about uh nationals yeah so um, that would have been you would have been blue belt then no nah, you weren't nah, blue belt still, then either no nah, i was still white belt then yeah i was a white belt for a long time awesome yeah. but then you're like yeah absolutely killing it at white belt like no nah, it was good yeah, so. yeah it was a good good little run and then i um i got hurt i broke my hip last year did you really yeah so i had so last year was the worst year of jujitsu for me so oh. i crashed a harley in vietnam and i popped my shoulder out so like i was on the road and i just hit a bit of diesel going around a turn yep. and then bike skidded out i hit the shoulder so I, I tore my rotator cuff so there was like four months in that so i got back and that was sort of right at the start of covid that was in like february so then as i got back to training the gym shut down yeah so i was just doing the backyard shit and then july i broke my hip so yeah it's just been since uh yeah since then it's been a rough old road but it's crazy man like when i I don't don't know if i've said this on here but when i hit the fucking ground in vietnam like i just face first into the thing like out of full face helmet on my first thought was fuck jujitsu you're like oh i can't go to training not you know yeah i might have surgery i might have to like you know completely like can like everything i had planned on this trip it's the jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu yeah. yeah absolutely it's the same thing with uh when COVID goes in it's like you, you realize like oh, I can't, oh train. Co- I can't do any what am i going to do with my life yeah like th- this is it and it's now suddenly gone so yeah, yeah I, I think that's relate. that's what i think when people talk about like you know jiu-jitsu is jiu-jitsu is an obsession yeah um like it's an obsession like you know like people often talk about like jiu-jitsu saved my life like but obsessions are unhealthy yeah. like and i feel like that's almost like a like a interesting example of that of like you know so much can be going on in the world like you know we're talking about a global pandemic and i'm i'm just thinking oh i can't go to training i, train, I was yeah. working on a triangle yeah like like i'm not going to get to try it for a couple of months now yeah it's biz- you are right though it is bizarre but i think that um you are right like anything can be an addiction and oh, then that addiction yeah. it can either be like a feature or a bug of the system absolutely and for you like your obsession with jiu-jitsu is a feature yeah for me it's like almost a bug well, because it's like it takes away time from other shit that i don't like i don't get paid for jiu-jitsu you know what i mean yeah. but there's something very intrinsic about it and very important where it's like i literally feel like i i know i have to go like yeah. nothing else will work nothing functions around this if i don't go absolutely i, I think even on like the the quote-unquote like like professional aspect of jiu-jitsu there, there's still uh, an unhealthy obsession there like uh, mikhail and i often joke about the fact that you know just to sort of parody um what commonly gets said is just like jiu-jitsu ruined my life yeah like yeah, yeah. like you're like even like when you're making money off jiu-jitsu it's like if i put this amount of effort into any other pursuit dude 100 percent. like just anything like it, i feel like jiu-jitsu is a very 
I, I think it's really growing and it's great to be there where jiu-jitsu is growing. Like, for example, like, uh, you know, with classic jiu-jitsu this weekend, it's great to see more professional events that yeah. are putting on, like, fantastic shows that are going to be able to reward, like, the fan and the competitor. Um, I think, you know, not long before this, though, jiu-jitsu is very much like a an unrewarding pursuit, at least, like, in terms of, you know, being mm. able to set yourself up long-term. Like, yeah. Like you look at like the extreme example of like, you know, highest paid athletes is, you know, the, the football in America. Like that's like that's a serious career opportunity there. Yeah. And you see guys like really chase after that because if they can make it like they're they're absolutely it's like set generational for life. wealth. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, jujitsu doesn't have that yet. Um, so it's it's interesting to sort of see where that's going and see it really become like a spectator sport and something that like people uh, are really like you know uh, keen to watch. So so that's where I think we'll really see like a turn in like that unhealthy obsession with jujitsu where yeah. it really like it truly does become like a healthy obsession rather than like you know um, I'm I'm obsessing like you know I'm spending my entire life uh, pursuing this yeah. um, and not getting rewarded for it. Yeah, and it's got a it's it's got a way of completely taking over your Absolutely. brain. Absolutely, like I I love Lachlan so much because I always know what's on his mind. Oh, for I sure. never have to read that dude ever. It's just jujitsu. You, you know, he's just always thinking about jujitsu. I, I remember and be the same with you. Oh, for sure. I I remember um one time uh we we travelled up to Sydney for a seminar and so uh we were just like just sitting there chilling out together and like it's just dead silence like there's no small talk nothing and just <laughs> looks at me and he goes the wrestling world championships is on do you want to watch that and i was like sure and then we sat in silence <laughs> and watched wrestling like like he just wants to like he just thinking about grappling just wants to watch grappling i think we ended up talking about like techniques like we started talking about like you know um like one of the wrestlers yes Dani, just like he's underhook throw by like but like again yeah. it's we're still just talking about grappling you're just living in the meta absolutely which is it's pretty cool though like oh, that, for sure. that, that's something that's so like there's an obvious reward there and i think that i've spoke about this with Lockie, but yeah. i know for me so like i use the riding as my example because essentially i'm a black belt in motocross yeah like i've done it 20 plus years so it's like i'm not the best black belt I'm not a black belt world champion, but I'm a dude that would be a black belt in that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But, so I go to the track and I put in X amount of effort. I don't yield X return. No. If that makes don't. sense. Absolutely. But in jujitsu, it's like if I watch eight hours worth of a DVD and instructional, mm-hmm. I'm like really focused and I'm really in on that. I go to the gym. I literally get that back. Yeah. There's no, there's no like disparity there. There's no, like I'd have to work for fucking months on a bike to see, you know, progress to, in that, in that same yeah. fashion. Like to glean any sort of, yeah, progress from that. Have you found over time that um, for you in jujitsu that is slowing down? Like, have you recognized any of that yet where, you know, like new content doesn't necessarily like translate into, you know, new technique or anything like that? Just because I'm interested. Like, yeah, I've... um. Well, I feel like I've still got so much shit to learn because like, so my, my philosophy around jujitsu when I first started was, and I've, I've said the analogy on here a couple of times, but I feel like this traditional way that you learn jujitsu, if you like, don't, if you don't invest in your own learning and if like, if you just go to class and that's it, you don't really watch it on YouTube or whatever, you go into this dark room that you don't know anything about and then you get given a like a laser pointer yeah and then on the wall of the dark room is like reverse de la heva collar sleeve opposite collar sleeve far side underhook near side underhook and it's just like spray painted around this room and the first day that you get your torch it's like oh we're doing 
uh, we're doing half guard sweeps and your laser pointer and you're like, there it is on the wall over there. The rest of the room's still black. Black belt, he can fucking see like daylight. Yeah. But you can't see shit. So, and then you go in this technique, next technique, next technique, next technique. And you try and remember what it is in this room. You know what I mean? So my, my idea was when I started jujitsu, I was like, okay, I'm going to binge everything. If jujitsu is a Netflix season, I'm binge watching jujitsu. So I, I read, uh, I read jujitsu university the Sanjo Ribeiro book, literally bought it on Amazon. The first jujitsu class that I did, I like logged onto Amazon and I was like, what's the book about jujitsu? Like, I'll just get that. Yep. So then I got that. It arrived the first class Monday. It arrived Thursday. I read it cover to cover over the weekend, got back into class. And then the next, like the, then I was like, all right, what are all the DVDs? And then I just didn't try and remember each technique. I didn't try and like, implement i just wanted to see all of jujitsu yep. if that makes sense that, that that makes a lot of sense actually it's very easy to go down the wrong path with learning any pursuit and that's yep. no, no different with jujitsu but i think that uh the you know the, the jujitsu university book like that's a really strong start like like uh i actually don't think that was that beneficial really? looking back in retrospect like that? maybe it was i don't know like because I'm visual, like yep. really ah, visual. Okay, yep. So that's why the DVDs, like I get yep. the people give me shit because I, I just watch all of it. I'm just like, new one comes out, I get it, I yep. watch it, put it up here and yep. then that's it. It's like, it's sort of, yeah, it just fills in that room yep. essentially for that me, you sense. know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I don't know that the reading, but more it was just the immersion. Like I was just getting yep. my head around all of it because I just feel like if you understand correct me if i'm wrong as a world-class black belt but um (laughs) i feel like the concepts underneath jiu-jitsu are more important than the techniques themselves i feel like you could spend years just on the concepts sure before you even learn like techniques if that makes sense yeah absolutely um there's there's a lot to unpack there um so i'd love you to hear your but but we can link up the the two things you're just talking about there so so we're talking about you know um this idea of like starting out on this jiu-jitsu journey and sort of like how like how to direct our learning and um with what you're talking about with the book like whether or not like you know like you're a visual learner or anything like that um the benefit of like say something like um you know that book or like you know having like um they're actually they have like a i think they actually have an instructional version of their book as well so you do get like i I think that might have come out later yeah um but like the advantage of that there is like you get to have like a strong sense of direction as to like overall what should jujitsu look like yeah as opposed to like you turn up to your first class they show you say uh for example like oh like a toriando pass something like that like to mount an americana why were you doing that thing with their legs like or like you know why yeah. why do i have to do this from mount why can't i just like stand in front of them and grab the americana from where i am yeah like like just like like so when you get like given like these little bits in isolation like that you you need to really um i think implement it you need an overall perspective on what jiu-jitsu is meant to be so mm. so providing context for um you know a lot of these positions so when i start out teaching white belts for example what i do is i'll i'll, I'll you know introduce them to like say mount and you know rear mount like you know yeah. uh, controlling them from the front like when i'm sitting on top of them and like controlling them from behind them and the first thing i do is like i'll say mount them for example and i'll say try and get out yeah and obviously they can't like I, i've done this with you know uh, even a white belt that's like 110 kilos for example and like they can't get out and i go okay you mount me and i'll even say to them 
you can punch me if you want to. Yeah. Like, like not, yeah. not because I think I'm any sort of striking expert, but, I, but I'm confident to, in my... To demonstrate jujitsu. Exactly. I, I, I know that like if they want to keep mount, they need to put their hands on the floor. Mm. So like I don't mind, um, you know, saying like, okay, you can like try and slap me, punch me, whatever from this position and I'll be out of mount in seconds. Yeah. And then we do the same drill from the back. And so I, I explained to them like, okay, if this is what I can do from you from this position, like, like these are the worst, the two probably like worst fundamental positions in yeah. jiu-jitsu you can end up in. Yeah. So our goal is to now avoid getting put in those positions and we're trying to attain those positions. And then that's when we start giving context for the guard yeah, because then yeah. because then, it, then you can bring it back a little bit yeah. and say like, okay, I want to get to those positions and I want to avoid getting in, in those positions. The guard is basically the barrier between like, yes. like the, that, that yeah. world and like, you know, not being there. I love the way that you're explaining that. that <laughs> Thank you. That's, that's definitely fits in my head perfectly. Exactly. So it's, it's so it it makes sense. Like that that's applicable. Like not just like white belt jiu-jitsu. That's applicable to like black belt jiu-jitsu. Mm. It's just the problem is is when you um you have like say black belt instructor uh, instructors because they've been training for so long. I think they lose a lot of that like that fundamental sort of uh like uh you know, direction to jujitsu because they're just doing jujitsu. Yeah. Like they don't have to think like, okay, like why am I passing the guard? While a white belt, when they start out, they need to know why they're passing the guard because otherwise they're not going to value it. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, like it's, it, so I think having a strong direction early on in the journey is really, really important. The, the other thing for me, so the big thing why reading the book, I think was real helpful for me is because jujitsu is a language. Yeah. So I can like, we've in this podcast, we'll literally speak a language that if you don't know jujitsu, then you're going to hear words that might as well be French to you. Yep. De la Hiva, reverse De la Hiva. You know, yep. you've got all of these like a uh, clock choke, loop choke. You've got all of these things where it's just like that. It's a concept that is linked to a physical action. So Absolutely. to me, I was just like really wanted to understand the, the vernacular just so that when I was in the gym, and I heard black belts or brown belts and purple belts talk, I could at least even put an ear on that conversation. Because I think like, how many times would you go into the gym, you know, what, first year, two years, yeah. before you just start to, it'd be like walking into a Russian bar Absolutely. for two years and try to pick up some Russian. Yeah. That's kind of essentially what you're sort of doing, you know? So yeah. I was just like, oh, I feel like if I read the book and learn the language as well, that was like kind of another thought process but to get back to the analogy like yeah what i wanted to do was initially learn jiu-jitsu by not having a laser pointer that i got given and trying to connect the dots what i wanted to do was just have a real small candle and yep. then set it in the middle of the room and then just keep building up you know because it's like i might i'm like oh i could see all the big words i can't read the fine print the smaller words it's still too dark yeah but i kind of can see the room i understand how big the room is understand yep. how much that there is to fill in you know where the corners of the room are like you, you exactly. get a bit more like overall like uh, just general awareness. context of of what we're here to do absolutely and and i think that's yeah that that's really important because then it makes it easier than if you understand overall like where you're meant to be heading with your jiu-jitsu then you can really start to like self-direct your own learning yeah like if you know for example like okay i you know like we talked about like that basic like battle of the guard essentially where like you know like guard player versus guard passer um you, you understand like there's almost like a tug of war that happens there where mm. like you know like you're trying to drag it further in one end or the other then you can start like looking at like okay well i can do these parts here 
um, I haven't learned this part in class yet where like what do I do when I end up in this position and things like that so so if you have an overall perspective of uh, where it's meant to go you can start uh, directing your own learning um, we also talked about I, I think you mentioned concepts and we, we got a yeah, little bit away yeah, from that yeah, I was, yeah. was going to link that up so so and I think concepts ties in with what you're talking about in terms of wanting to have like a bigger picture of jiu-jitsu yeah. because concepts is essentially I think realistically like like concepts is you know um not all that different from details it's simply a matter of like what layer of like jujitsu you're looking at like if you're starting to get down to like that micro layer versus mm. like the macro but like you, so you can get more or less specific about say like different aspects of jujitsu as you want it's just we have like the two ends of the spectrum where we have like concepts and details mm. um but i think there's a lot in there but i think concepts is a great way to start um because it's so broad and it i think you can do a lot more with concepts than you can with details yeah like like yeah, like so I feel like concepts first for me anyway. Absolutely. Concepts first, details second. Absolutely. The problem is is I think you see a lot of the times people say concepts when really what they mean is I have a vague idea of how this is meant to work, but I can't really give you a clear definition. So yeah. so that's why I like I like the idea of concepts, but I generally don't talk about them that way. Like I think How would uh, you describe the Yeah, so 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 I generally try and like even though like Overall, I actually think the two things are the same. I try and steer away from like terminology that's already got a certain connotation. Sort of almost like yeah. downplay, exactly. Like the um, yeah, I guess downplay a yeah. little bit, or just like reduce it down to something a little bit less than what it is, maybe. Exactly. Like, and and even if like even if you treat it in a way that it doesn't, there's already the connotation there that concepts is meant to be vague, yeah. rather than clearly defining. So like, mm. I try and talk about it, even though it's the same thing. Is like I talk about having like a principled approach to jujitsu. So, um, you know, uh, in the in the car before, like Tom and I were talking about, you know, like attacking from guard, for example, mm. um, an idea of like a concept or a principle would be, you know, um, you know, how to create opportunity to attack your opponent's upper body and lower body. So, so one uh, concept or principle we have there is um, when my partner's head is in front of their hips, I'm going to be attacking the upper body. When mm. their head is over their hips, I'm going to attack the legs. Yeah, and yeah. so you can get very, very clear with that definition and give like a strong sense of direction to like what someone's trying to do. Mm. Um, I, I think like, you know, an example of like when people would talk about a similar idea as concepts would be they'd say, oh, you know, you like you attack the legs to attack, like, to expose the upper body and you would attack the upper body mm. to expose the legs. Like, like yeah. it's not a, there's not a clear enough definition there Yeah, yeah. where if we can talk about, you know, this idea of like head in front of the hips versus uh, head over the hips, yeah. we have a very clear line as to when we should be attacking one or the other. Yeah. And so, so even though like I'd say that's an example of a concept, I just say principle because, or a principle or a rule, rule yeah. just because to get away from like that idea of like concepts being vague. Yeah. So to answer the original question yeah. is I just think there's still so much to learn, but I oh, would, sure. I would say that I feel like there are areas in jujitsu where I'm like really, really proficient now, Absolutely. where I think that my knowledge of a certain like position the mechanics of certain things yeah like for triangles for example i was gonna say triangles like you're a weapon with triangles absolutely that would be like my thing where i've like i've done this so much yeah and i've worked on it so much i've studied it so much i've drilled it so much so that would be something where i would say like i'd feel comfortable talking to anybody like oh this is what i do here this is what i do here this is and not saying that that's the best way to do it but i would feel okay about telling anybody that oh this is how i do it you know what i mean Absolutely. but then there'd be some shit where i'm like fuck i don't know like that, that, that ain't my shit that's not bad though like you you see this on on multiple levels of this idea of having 
maybe not a disjointed like game, but maybe like, you know, varying skill, like skill levels of mm. skill sets. And you see that at the highest level of jujitsu too. Like anyone that's going to be a world champion, they're, they're the best in the world at, at least one area of jujitsu. Yeah. Um, and then, then you can even, um, oh, what's his name? Um, he wrote the book, The Art of Learning. I think he started out as oh, a chess world champion. Yeah, um, yeah. I know. He trains with Marcelo about. Garcia. So, so, so. I really can, want to read that book. It, it, it's Is an it good? It's, it's an interesting read. Um, it's it's a lot more anecdotes, I'd say, if anything, yeah, rather okay. than really about how to actually learn something. Yeah. Um, but I think I think the lesson in there is really important. Where and we can apply this to even like he he talks about in terms of like you know getting really really good at chess, for example, and then getting really really good at like push hands, and then getting good at jujitsu. Yeah. Um, and you can apply that to even just jujitsu, where this idea of you know, on like a lower level, if you can get really good at one area of jujitsu, you understand a little bit more about how you learn and then you can apply that to the other parts of jujitsu. So Mm -hmm. like you can start learning like, okay, this is how I dissected, um, you or like, you know, I learned this part of my game. I can dissect that and then start applying that to the rest of jujitsu. And that's why you'll see like, as you start doing jujitsu more and more, you actually start to learn at a faster rate than what you did at white belt. Mm. Cause you, you start to absorb the information a little bit better. You know how to actually like, you know, Uh, practice it yourself like whether or not you prefer to be drilling doing more positional training and then you can start like using that to actually like um you know invent areas of your game typically a lot of grappling is reverse engineering um but when you get to a certain point if you understand enough about jujitsu then you can start engineering things like for example um like like I might, I'd, I'd say that like the skill set I'm most known for is leg locks. Yeah. Um, but there, there was something I recognized watching like ADCC and uh, like different like no-go grappling events at like a high level like a couple of years ago was how, how important being good at the front headlock position was like, you know, playing yeah. the dilemma of like a, a guillotine and a back take. Yeah. And so because I, I knew how to like how I learned like the other areas of jiu-jitsu, that was an area where I need to learn that. I'm going to make myself learn that. And so what I do, like I can go straight into that. And immediately what I recognized is, you know, uh, say for example, we're talking about principles. Um, If I can force my opponent to commit his hands to the floor from a front headlock, I can start going in on strangles. If I can force my opponent to commit his elbow to the floor from the front headlock, I can go for the back. Yeah. And generally what happens there is that they'll they'll defend their neck and put their elbows on the floor, which means they go for the back. Yeah. But if they're defending their back, so they're in a more athletic position, they go hands to the floor, I can start attacking their neck because they're not defending their neck anymore. Yeah. Just to tie in together, it's probably yeah. like a couple of different yeah. things we talked about there. Yeah, so, yeah. So, that, that's and d- so did you find that it was like a quicker process for you to learn the, uh, like a front headlock system basically just applying the how you already learned the rest of your game absolutely it's it's like because i was able to take that approach to it and take a very like a like a very deliberate approach to introducing that into my game it's probably actually one of the my best areas of my jujitsu like it's part of my a game for sure that's sick yeah you probably wouldn't have said that a year ago no absolutely not like like i would have said to think that you could create a new a game within your jujitsu that's gone for 10 plus years yeah and then in a year add something to the a game like that yeah that is pretty cool yeah exactly and so i think like when we're talking about yeah like the, these different approaches to learning like because i i think i was able to do that because i'd spent such a disproportionate amount of time on, on underst- one thing exactly yeah. on, on leg locks specifically and not just like just doing leg locks but trying to understand them it made it easier yeah. for me to try and like invent something else yeah not that I'm saying like I invented this idea of like the front headlock dilemma, but like I was I was able to like look at what was working in competition, recognize what's yeah. like the prevailing idea there, and then start like you know engineering that into my game. Do you work on stuff in blocks? Yeah, like absolutely. will you work on like a very specific part of your game 
and without except so to give you an example so for um 2021 i've just committed completely to guard retention absolutely so my in my head i'm like okay i'm gonna spend the rest of blue belt uh working on guard retention i know i've got a bunch of submissions that i can do um from guard and now because in my head my theory is like okay what fucks my training at jiu-jitsu side control or like being mounted side control or someone having my back okay that to me just kills learning like i can't do i can't be offensive i can't be creative i can't work on any of the things that i want to do i'm completely at the mercy of the other person they're doing what they want to do yeah i can practice escapes and fucking all that shit but i'm spending time here so if i get uh, luck of the draw big brown belt passing my guard and i'm under him for three minutes defending myself that's kind of a waste of time in my eyes obviously that's good skills to have but i'm like let's keep let's stay on like the front area of like actually being able to do shit that i want to do oh absolutely so i was like righto this is just guard retention season got the dvds started watching it started watching matches when i rolled with levi I was just straight guard retention. Like, don't, I don't want to know about Marambolos. I don't want to know about nothing. Just give me some tips for guard retention. Roll with Ari, same thing, guard retention. And then I go into the gym. And as soon as I get past, I'm pretty much just down to get choked. I'm just like, whatever, let's just reset and go again. <laughs> so, but for literally for this whole year, that's, I'm just not going to waver off that. Comps, I'm just going to do comps, whatever. It is what it is. A, try not to get past. B, try and win. But that is how I want to spend. And I, I've never done that before. Yep. I've sort of learned different things um, and focused on different areas. But this is like the first time I've ever just blocked out literally a year of training for one specific skill set. No, that's good. Um, You've certainly picked the right people to try and learn that from. Yeah. Like, like I think, you know, if you're going to look at like the people that have like the best guard retention in the world, Levi and Ari are, are certainly it. And, and like, they're certainly the people that can articulate it as well, which is, I think, really important. Um, and I think what you're talking about is really, uh, really, really important overall. Um, funnily enough, uh, 2020 for me was also a lot of time spent on guard retention. A bit different to um, guard retention that they're doing. I spent a lot more time focused on aggressive guard retention. So instead of trying to recover my guard and attack, like trying to attack off the guard retention. Yeah, yeah. But, but like overall, still the same sort yeah, of thing. But um, I, know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Um, so with what you're talking about there, that's uh, it's interesting. Part of it is, um, you know, time management. Mm. Like, you know, how much time do you have to actually train during the week, etc. Like, it, it affects sort of like how long you'd spend on a given topic. Um, I think one of the mistakes people make though is they think, okay, I'm going to allot this certain amount of time, and then by the end of it, I'm going to have like black belt guard retention. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, like, like you do want to like, like I set like a certain amount of time where like yeah like by the end of it you're going to be happy with it like it doesn't have to be perfect by the end of it but um and that sort of leads into what i was uh what i was going to talk about in regards to learning um and this is something uh that Lockie got really really uh into probably about two or three years ago at absolute and he ran a little study in the gym on it it mm, came from some research. yeah exactly yeah, so it yeah. came from some, came from some research that came out of university um and one of the big things that really helps with learning is actually taking a break from it mm. so so the conclusion that we ended up drawing from that is like a, a way to actually um, implement like this research into your drilling. And the way that I generally get my students to do it is I want them to pick three areas of their jujitsu and then they'll work on that for say two or three months. Yeah. Um, and so the idea is that week to week, like you should be doing some drilling in those areas. The way it would work is say, for example, like your first week, uh, you know, just drill areas one and two. And then in your second week, drill areas two and three. Then week three, you go three and one. Like mm. like the idea is like like cycle it. 
Yeah. So that way you'll probably end up spending about two weeks at a time on one given topic, but one week off it. Yeah. And so that way, because um, what the re- research shows is that if you give yourself a chance to like sleep on information and take mm. a break from it, you process and absorb a lot more of the information. And it's sort of how like cramming for a test works. Yeah. Is that like if you try and like, you know, like if I did one hour of study a day for a week, that's going to have a much bigger impact on my ability to absorb the information. And than if five I try, hours. Exactly. Or even eight hours in one yeah, go. Yeah. Like if I do eight hours in one go and I'm expected to know the information tomorrow, like you might remember an hour of that. Yeah. It's sort of, um, I, I, I do it similarly sort of as well with like seminars. Like, like you don't want to go for, for too long on a seminar. Like if you do three or four hours of like just solid information, you're probably going to remember the first hour. Yeah. Like, like, but if you do two hours, like of solid information, you'll probably remember the whole two hours because you haven't overloaded yourself. I literally finished a book this morning called Deep Work by Cal Newport. Yep. And uh, he's a computer uh, engineer from, he's a professor at Georgetown University. And um, yeah, he, he wrote this book on basically, uh, it's super self-explanatory, Deep Work, but he talks about the benefit, like the cognitive benefits of Deep Work uh, the benefits over shallow work, some definitions between deep and shallow work. We actually been doing deep work sessions this week. We set like a two hour timer on our phone, put it in front, turn the no notifications, no internet, no nothing, like zero distractions. Yep. The only distraction you can have is drinking water or taking notes. Yep. And that's it. But the studies show, to your point, the studies showed uh, in these kind of research that he did that two hours was pretty much like yeah peak cognitive uh concentration yep. time so you really could not go over that there'd be diminishing returns after Absolutely. after about two hours so he was saying you know you structure to these two hour blocks of, of work so it sort of speaks exactly to what you're saying yeah. i mean like i like my end of it is pretty much only anecdotal evidence but like yeah. teaching seminars also, that's, that's, that's what i found yeah like i mean if you don't have the ability to have like like it's one of those things where like anecdotal evidence yes they that you you, sh- you don't want to rely on it but in the absence of any other evidence it, <laughs> go with it it's at least it's at least something yeah like like you don't want to go like oh, i've got anecdotal evidence but i don't have empirical evidence like like you know i should just chuck out the anecdotal evidence too it's like well yeah like like go work with what you've got yeah but yeah so it's interesting um the research coming out like more and more about like you know the importance of both like sleep and like the way that it affects us cognitively and as well as like like how it relates to like our ability to learn and the research coming out about learning so it's cool to like see that get implemented into things that i'm obsessed with yeah well the the cool thing um i think with jujitsu and and learning is like probably one of the most beneficial things in my life because i have a life outside of jiu-jitsu but i think jiu-jitsu is honestly like the crucible where i really that's like the most living i do yeah if that makes sense like that's the most it's the most concentration that i have um physically it's the most demanding thing that i do uh mentally i'm putting a lot of effort into it so i think that it's it becomes like this small it, it is a small part of my life in terms of yeah. the amount that I'm actually able to go there. But I think that that small percentage of time actually helps lay a foundation for how I do everything mm-hmm. else. And, you know, to understand the way that I learn, to understand um, just your body, the physicality, um, dealing with losing um, yeah. when you're a competitive person. Like I, I'm competitive every single role I've, I ever do. It's like very, very, very hard for me to like not, except unless I'm with chicks, then I don't give a fuck. <laughs> but 
um, for me, like that's that's honestly like a lesson in itself. Like yep. I rate my training sessions on mindset yep, at times sure. too because it's like you're actually being a fucking dick, dude. Like, you know what I mean? I have to tell myself like, you don't need to win this. You don't need to put your body on the line for literally no reason other than ego, you know? So there's, yeah. it, it's such like a, uh, everything is heightened in that little even though you know 20 percent of my time is spent yeah. on jiu-jitsu it's like such an intense 20 percent that then bleeds into like the rest of my life absolutely it, it, like jiu-jitsu is I, f- I feel like even like even when you know you can only train once or twice a week it's a very raw experience yeah like in just like so many ways um like it, I, I feel like it really does like people often talk about like you know this idea of like jiu-jitsu gets rid of ego i think it um eh. it strips away yeah i don't think it does i think it strips away a lot of filters like that you like like people like sort of put up to like you know about like what sort of person they are but i think like with something like jujitsu because you know you're it's just such a different sort of environment you you get to see a little bit more about what sort of person you really are yeah i think that um i definitely don't think that it strips you of your ego greatest lie ever told yeah i definitely agree but i think it it puts your ego uh front and center for you and other people and you can either deal with it and get better and i would say i definitely have gotten better over time um but also you could still be a fucking egomaniac but then everyone's just aware of it you know what i mean it's almost like it doesn't get rid of the ego just exposes it to everybody no one ever has aspirations to be the best in the world at something without an ego yeah like like i I like i think if someone truly has no ego it's like they're not going to be a remarkable person it's like similar like you like you'll see someone like like dan carlin talking about like like you know to be a great leader you don't have to be a good person like like mm. th- that's not really like a correlation there yeah, which is yeah, kind of unfortunate yeah, like yeah. to be like the best at jiu-jitsu yeah. you're not necessarily a good person like yeah. like like yeah so i think ego is important in a lot of those like in a lot of those like aspects because if like you really had no ego you didn't care if you really lost a training while well, to get good you need to care if you lose yeah um, but it has to be in like productive constraints absolutely and i think that learning those what is productive what's unproductive yeah um that's probably like the hardest lesson because i think that the ego thing like you have you for sure have to have an ego everybody has an ego like the you calling yourself jeremy that's that is the ego like you are self-referencing so anytime you're self-referencing you're living in a state of ego so it's inescapable like absolutely there's no way around that but it's like a I can't remember who said it but it's just uh, make it an ego function like yeah. it, you're selfing like it is this oh, yeah. process that you're doing and it needs to be a function that attributes yeah. to like a greater whole exactly like like because people can have an ego but if like it, you, you can't do away with it but maybe you can temper it so we can feed it later essentially like yeah. I'm, I'm going to accept the fact that I lost now and not chuck a tantrum so I can get better than this guy and then kick his ass later yeah like I, I think that's really how it plays out rather than if you can't temper it at all and you just go, oh, you know, this guy just beat me. I'm just going to do the exact same thing I just did over and over and beat him at the thing. Like, you know, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going to prove that like what I was doing was the right thing. And it's like, that's like such, that's an, that's an example of like an unhealthy ego Yeah. and how that just doesn't help you. Yeah. I'd say that um, like one of the things, and this is what, what I don't have in jujitsu is time. Yep. Like I've only got a few years in the game, for nearly four years in the game. Yeah. So it's not like I mean I guess that is quite a bit of time, but it's I mean a, over, you know, to someone like yourself, there's literally thousands more roles, there's thousands more hours. You know yep. that there, there is like a 
uh, it, it four years is still in like an infancy. And I think that um, one of the things to really work on is just knowing like when it's okay to lose just purely for like the body aspect. Yeah. Because I, I know myself, like one of my faults is I'll just go hard as fuck. Like every round, if someone's coming at me, I don't, it doesn't matter how much better, how much bigger, I'm going hard as fuck. And at least if I, I go out, I'm going out on my shield. Yep. And that's great in a perfect world. But the reality is the next day I wake up, I'm sore as fuck, I'm tired, I'm hurting. And then you go to train the next day and then you're compounding these, you know. So I think that is the thing where I think I really need to learn. Yep. And I think a lot of other people it's probably a challenge a lot of other people have as well that are super competitive yep. is just going in there and using training as training absolutely and not like if someone's bigger someone's going hard if i'm in a position where i'm about to get past and i'm really trying not to get past but there's a lot of pressure on my ribs and i'm stacked and i'm upside down and i'm twisting it then it's just like dude what the fuck are we doing here like are you here to learn are you here to win like i sometimes still have to relearn learn that lesson um, there, there's times where it's like, yeah, like, especially like leading up to like competition, let's say like, well, yeah. I feel like it's more forgivable then, but if it's just like a 20, like, uh, just all day, 24, seven, for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's almost important in some ways though, at early in jiu-jitsu to take those beatings. Like it's almost like a yeah. fight club type moment where it's yeah. like, you, you need to learn what it's like to take a beating like, like yeah. badly. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, because like, it, it, yeah, exactly that. Like, I think like every teenage guy's had like a fight club poster or something like, like in their bedroom wall and like, and it, that idea of like, you know, how much can you know about yourself if you like, haven't really been like beaten badly? Yeah. Oh, I totally would agree with that. And yeah, that, that too can become like a bit of a badge of honor that you know yeah. that you can take a beating and still come back. But I, I think if you like, you hang on to that, like that feeling yeah. like, like for too long where you're just like, yeah, like every day is just a day to get beaten up. Then that's when there's an issue, but you need to know what it feels like. I think early in jujitsu so you can work past it and then be productive. Yeah. Like otherwise, like, like otherwise exactly that, like every role has to be a war. Yeah. And I think that, um, yeah, that's just not conducive to longevity no and yeah so i think that's probably i I honestly think that my my just like general mindset of training is the thing that i like as well as guard attention like i'm literally working those things because you sort of almost as well like i think i've found that working this one specific skill set has almost taken the pressure off and like given me an out to yeah. where I can like mentally, oh, it's fine to lose. I'm yeah. working on this shit. Yeah, you know what I no, mean? Exactly. So I don't know whether that's like a good or a bad thing. But no, I, I think it is like, it, I, yeah, I think you learn to value different things that will come up in rolling. Like, mm. like, and you, you start like looking to like, you know, like get a bit more sp- like you know almost specific in open rolling like you're, you're yeah. almost like you're almost like hunting for like you know those positional training rounds within a roll then yeah so you can try these things out but i think that's also why positional training in itself is quite important because then then if you have the opportunity to actually do positional training with a lot of different people then like you can just make rolling as like a way of like putting it all together mm. like um uh, if you talk to like you know my coach lachlan um he thinks that you know one of the most important ways to train if he was going to pick one way to train it would be positional training um, cause I think like rolling, rolling's good, but it can be very, like, it's very undirected. Mm. And I think if you have the ability to compartmentalize a lot of training, that can be really productive. 
Um, and that's one of the things like, like when I'm coaching, like I want to spend a lot more time on that. Um, or at least like with, with like the students is like making sure that they're doing a lot more positional training. So they're really compartmentalizing a role and they have clear definitions of what a win and a loss is from a position. Yeah. So that way yeah. now when it comes to competition, then like if you say, for example, like, like, you know, um, you're, you're in top half guard and like, like in the middle of a role, like you have a very clear direction of what you're going to, where you're going to go. And that, that goes back to what we're talking about with like, you know, having an overall sense of jujitsu, like overall like sense of direction in jujitsu and yeah. concepts and things like that. Like, I think that all ties together. Um, really nicely when did you start coaching um i started coaching maybe four years ago yeah okay um, i i've been really fortunate i've had some fantastic coaches while coming up like um uh like uh, my old coach luke beston for example he's uh he's been in jiu-jitsu for a long long time and he's had some great coaches and he's an absolute martial arts nerd um and he's very much into like making sure like you know like looking at the research um mm. and just trying to like absorb everything from everywhere then also like uh, my other coach um from that gym grant uh grant bradshaw like he's a high school teacher as well but just overall like a very charismatic and like very understanding sort of person like a great sort of role model for, yeah for like people. a coach exactly coach, yeah. exactly like and i think like they were they were both people that had like a great influence on me and then as well as like um, you know, Lachlan Giles as well, very analytical. Um, Craig, fantastic coach as well. And also Mikhail Yahaya. Like, like I've, I've been very yeah. lucky to have some fantastic coaches um, while coming up in Jiu-Jitsu. And they've all given me a little bit of something for me to take away from. Uh, like, like sort of take away from them and like add it into my own coaching. Mm. Um, and then as well, like I spent a lot of time looking at um, other coaches in like, like, yeah, like mainly in Jiu-Jitsu, but you'll see it in other sports. Like, like say, for example, you look at uh, Jiu-Jitsu, you got like someone like Jimmy Pedro, for example, like, like uh who's a, a judo coach and then uh even um i actually don't know what his last name is but uh it's uh uh shit i'm blanking on his name uh, it, it, there's a guy in sydney uh, he's the he's the judo coach for like the olympics uh, olympic uh, side i don't know what his full name is yeah um, right. but uh yeah but like like I've, i'm trying to like draw like like inspiration yeah, from those guys from everywhere as well like you know like looking at like guys like eddie cummings john danaher and also like trying to look at like what's going on with their team in relation to the coach because i think that's really important to mm. to see um like say for example you want to look at like the henzo gracie side like um like john danaher for example everyone plays the game that he teaches so clearly he's doing something right as a coach yeah while like some people like they're really good at jiu-jitsu and they're a coach but you don't necessarily see like that the, the the jiu-jitsu coming from that particular person um, yeah i, I won't exactly, i won't name i, know exactly I won't name particular gyms because i think it's a bit impolite but um like you can look at like certain gyms and you can see like okay none of the students play that game yeah like like which is so it says like okay maybe they're not a great coach but they are still good at jiu-jitsu yeah and so they may be better it's better off like watching sort of what they're doing on the mats and not so much like looking at their coaching yeah but but even then like like it's good to sort of like do that um and look at sort of like what they're doing right what they're doing wrong comparing it like you're almost like the same way like you you learn about jiu-jitsu like you're trying to like just you know understand how to be a coach strokes of, exactly yeah, yeah yeah i just feel like that that approach at least for me anyway like it's just it really helped just paint like a clear picture yeah. and then just just to um not feel lost absolutely in the in the like just how vast it yeah. is you know um but yeah i don't i don't know whether yeah it, it's people it's so individual how people learn like, i just don't absolutely. know whether some people um yeah some people that probably would be the worst idea for them oh yeah and, and that's one of the things like one of the challenges in my coaching at the moment is like 
like I have like uh, say for example a grappling education because I'm in Sydney at the moment um like I'm, I'm teaching there during the day and I get like the same crew, uh, group of people um, pretty much every day in my classes. Like I'm teaching regularly there quite a few times. And, and so one of the challenges is making sure like, okay, I'm running like, you know, a training session for everyone in the room, but like I need to make sure it is for everyone in the room rather yeah. than like 99% of people. And this is one person who's like, you know, maybe their approach to learning is a little bit different. Like that well, is I'm, the hardest thing yeah. about academies in general. Oh, for sure. and, and I think that, um, yeah you just can't like there has to be a generalized yeah. approach unless you're just going to get privates from somebody like you'll yeah. you kind of have to accept that you're not going to be able to learn the way that you want to learn like you might luck into it yeah in the fact that the style that gets taught at the school perfectly fits you yeah that you'd then be the exception not absolutely. the rule though you know yeah absolutely and that's that's one of the things i really try and keep in mind with my coaching as well like the way i structure a lesson um i try and like set it up in a way that how, how do you structure a lesson like sure. what would you, like an, an average lesson for you look like sure at the moment it's changing a little bit because in sydney at the moment there's the uh, the adcc nationals uh competition happening so just making sure i'm adjusting the training session to gear it up for the people that are going to be what's competing the at adcc it. nationals sure it? so so it's basically like you you have like you know the adcc world championships yeah, and then also okay. adcc yep. trials that qualify for that the yep. nationals is basically like a local it's just a run one-off event. yeah that's yeah, right. yeah exactly so so they've got that happening and i and that's quite different to a lot of the competitions that is that, that under the adcc rules yeah set? yeah cool. absolutely yeah so so um and and exactly that like it's under the adcc rule set so it plays out a little bit differently to a lot of other competitions so we're, we're adjusting the training for that but say for example the training session i'm running for that is we'll start out we don't do as much drilling beforehand like i generally get them to do probably about an hour of drilling like at the start and spend a lot like probably like maybe not many more techniques but more time spent drilling it mm. um so instead now we're only doing like maybe like two techniques at the start it might take about half an hour um to get through those techniques and then we're doing a lot more positional training this time around um and so doing a lot more positions focused around that and the way we'll typically do it is like we'll pick a position like um one of the important ones i think for adcc is uh the turtle position mm. and so the and that that comes up both um, off the wrestling situations as well as like off like the ground situations i think like turtles like an important like sort of you know like that it basically is like again like similar we talked about like the guard like it's one of those barriers between like yeah yeah, yeah. um so so we'll spend time on that and the way it's like all, an intermediary position almost exactly where it's like that both people have options exactly and yeah. so and so that's why i try and keep the position um like when we do the positional training, relatively open. So the way I'll run that specifically is that I'll say, for example, we'll start no grips starting behind your opponent instead of off to the side. Yeah. The person on top, their entire goal is to submit their opponent. That's it. Like it's not about taking the back. It's not about mounting them. It's about submitting your opponent because taking the back is a pathway to submitting your opponent. So they should be seeking that anyway. Yeah. yeah. But then if you mount your opponent, that's still a win for you. Like, you know, if you get top side control ADCC, that's points. So you're still going like the, the points really do reflect like a pathway to like submission. Yeah. So people should be going down that pathway anyway if they're thinking about submission. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the person on bottom, their entire goal is you know, like, like they're, they're goal is a lot more broadly defined um like, or like sorry it's more specifically defined while like the submission is probably a bit more broad person on bottom their goal is to either completely regard so like if you get put into a half guard situation we'll still continue yeah um, or right. if they're able to completely stand up yeah now those would be wins for the bottom player as well as if they can submit their opponent or reverse them but like we, we keep it like relatively broad i don't i'm not a big fan of positional training ending when say for example you take someone's back and it stops there because yeah. there's still so much more that happens yeah and there's so much more that to work on and i think yeah when the stakes are like that it encourages people to work a lot more 
Um, so, so that's one example of positional training that we'll do. And we'll do like a very similar drill for mount, for example. Like we'll start mount yeah. and it's purely the person on top's got to submit their opponent, person on bottom, complete escape, reversal, submission. Um, and we'll get we'll get more specific with other ones. For example, one of the things um, like Craig recommended uh, to me is in regards to like arm bars, for example, is like how often rolling do you feel like if you got put in an arm bar, you'd have a chance to work your arm bar defense? Like, like, like mm. you personally, like if someone puts you in an armbar, like how, how, how much time do you think from the moment that they have the armbar to you tapping, uh, do you actually have a chance to work a late escape? 20 seconds max? From a fully extended armbar? Oh, from a fully extended. Yeah, oh, from yeah, like an no. extended, like I, maybe I a mean, second. I mean like the position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From a fully extended armbar, you don't really have any time. Yeah. And that's not really a recipe for building confidence in like working a hitchhiker or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, so one of the drills that we added in recently was starting in an, in an armbar with no grip like like with, with like no you know, pressure y- your grip's broken yeah. the person attacking the armbar cannot finish it okay they are purely trying to control their opponent for as long as possible it's, that's per- that's perfect so so that and that's that's very very like that's very specific training um but that's just to get people confident in certain submission defenses and like or even if they don't actually know how to do a submission they start to see sort of where the vulnerabilities are because they're able to move within the position a little bit it's not a completely realistic drill but i feel like it teaches the right lessons no yeah i can totally imagine the the benefits of that like i started i started doing that in my head as soon as yeah you exactly yeah. exactly I like, like what the fuck would i do here yeah exactly and because normally you just go oh i try the hitchhiker oh, i got armbar like, yeah like yeah, and you, you might do that over and over but if you have a chance to actually explore the position a little bit yeah like you, you have more of an opportunity and like a chance to actually feel like if it works or not because normally like let's say for example you're drilling a technique implemented and rolling like you, you generally have a lot more time to work within that and get a bit more experience there but if you're working armbar defense mm. you have like maybe a second every single time yeah if you now have like a full four minutes to get comfortable in that position you can start like actually working your escape yeah so 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 that's another example of a position we've added in so so just to go back to what you're originally asking we'll start out with like maybe about half an hour of drilling for these sessions and then we'll do a lot of positional training so typically we're doing turtle doing mount maybe even close guard um, and then, you know, maybe something specific like that, like starting with the submission and working the submission. Mm. Um, and then then from there, we'll go on to rolling. And depending on how many people are in the room, like I'll get everyone to st- start standing. And if they want to play guard, they have to pull guard rather than just like the roll starts and see, some yeah. one person's like kind of already sitting. Yeah, that's me most of the time. <laughs> yeah, it's, see, I'm the same way. Like, and if, if we start standing, I'm more likely to actually try the wrestling. Yeah. But even then, like I might make yeah, the decision. Not. Yeah, <laughs> fair, hey, fair enough. Um. One of the other ones that's good to add in as well, specific for ADCC, is um, stalling drills. And, and not as in, like, the person on top, like, should learn to stall, but more Dealing the with somebody on- stalling. Exactly. Yeah. So so that's quite, a, that's quite a physically intensive drill, but that's a good one to add in. And that's an example of, like, you know, adding in, you know, positional training tailored for the competitions that are coming yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so that one there, we'd run, like, say, like, one or two minutes at a time. Person on, starts on bottom. You're treating it as if you're down one point. And you need to make up that point however you want. Person on top, ah, they've got to stall, but yeah. they've got to look like they're engaging, so they're not going to get penalized. For example, like like they can't just run across the map because you're gonna you're gonna get penalized. Yeah, yeah. So instead, they've got to be like faking engagement. Person on bottom is just trying to work yeah. nonstop, and that's much harder to do against an opponent that doesn't want to engage. That is true. Yeah. So so that's an important drill, and the reason why that's important for ADCC rules is because if you start looking at ADCC rules, if you're a wrestler, you're much more likely to want to have to end up in overtime. 
Yeah. So so the idea is like, you know, they might be doing doing exactly that. Or maybe they're trying to get to the points period, for example, and you're trying to submit them from bottom position. Like, mm. like it's important to know how to overcome that. Gordon Ryan's a fantastic example of someone that knows how to overcome someone stalling by being able to chase them down nonstop. Yeah. He, he's, he's, a, he's a master at it. Dude, Gordon fucking Ryan. We could oh, probably do a yeah. three-hour podcast we could do the, yeah. just on Gordon fucking Ryan. Absolutely, we could. How much do you think... Well, maybe, Tom, for you, how much do you think, like, have can you see as an event promoter, like, a Gordon Ryan effect on, like, uh, interest or anything like that? Or is it too early for you guys to tell? Because, dude, like... The Andre Galvao slap thing is just like, I feel like... That's a promoter's dream, isn't it? I feel like how many hundred thousand people knew what jiu-jitsu was just purely because Gordon Ryan slapped Andre Galvao in the oh, face. Absolutely. That, that's Insane, dude. It, it's not a good look for the sport, but it's a great headline. It's not a good look for Andre Galvao. It's, it's not a good look for as well. You're right. Because like... Oh, dude. Oh, yeah. I mean... Float, like, I get it. And Flo's doing what they should be doing. Like, if you're the dude that, like me, I sit in this room, I look at my stats, I know what's going to do good, I know what's going to not do good. Like, I I want to do better. Like, I want to get more views. I want to get more money. Yeah. Like, that, it makes sense. You're like, how much am I going to, like, sell my soul but for yeah, this? Yeah, there's some moments where you're just like, but, fuck, I, I wonder, like, in that specific example of that Gordon Andre thing. And this is what it was interesting talking to Lockie about it, where it was like, okay, so is good for jujitsu just more mass? Like, do we just have as many people as yeah. possible and whether they're fuckwits or legends, it doesn't really matter. We just need more people in jujitsu. And it's like, shit, he's got a point because maybe it's worth just attracting good people to jujitsu. Yeah. It's, it's a tough question. Um, mm. That that's yeah that's that's a very interesting scenario and I feel like there's no way I can talk about that like about like that specific situation and not piss someone off. Yeah, true. So it's uh yeah you got to fight these days. I never have to. Fight you know what's <laughs> yeah exactly and like yeah it's I could be armchair quarterback all day. Yeah, it's I I I, I try and like yeah keep those conversations behind like like yes yeah, yeah, yeah. doors yeah yeah just just because i feel like it's one of those things where it's like there's no right answer to it i feel like that's that really is a situation where like both of them are the bad guys i think uh-huh, like yeah i think people are in a perfect them. world yeah you just go like hey let's just talk about it yeah exactly yeah. like i i think i think like you can get specific about like you know like where either of them are at fault but realistically like both of them are the bad guys and like trying to pick sides on that it's like it's just silly yeah the um obviously i deal with a lot of other sports and a lot of other athletes and i'm Mm. obviously biased towards jujitsu as a person that does jujitsu yeah but i honestly don't know many athletes that if you if you want to just talk about gordon ryan and you take everything else like any of the off the mat stuff right yeah and you talk about gordon run best dude in the sport undefeated in x amount of years hasn't been submitted in x amount of years cannot find a match nobody wants to sign on the dotted line how true that is is uh, i mean i don't know i I don't know the flow inbox of whether or not people are turning down matches but the reality yep. is he's fought dudes that are way smaller than him yep. in his last couple of matches because the other dudes don't want to fight him. So yep. it's like, it's a crazy, just general sport. If oh, you yeah. look at all other sport, there's no, there's no one in the UFC. I mean, fuck, maybe Ryan Hall actually. But it's like, there's nobody 
that the top dude in the sport cannot have somebody that is like would be considered his challenger they won't fight him we, that's we, a yeah. very rare thing in sport oh yeah we, we were talking about that before actually um it's interesting in uh, jiu-jitsu actually it's it's it feels like it's a big world when you're a part of it but when you when you take a step back it's actually especially when you get towards the top there's really not a lot of people actually to compete against like you look at australia for example like who could lachlan for example have a match yeah, against? 100%. in australia there's no one like levi yeah exactly and like even then like that's not a matchup to make because levi doesn't do no gear yeah yeah like 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 and then in, then on the flip side of that it's like who would there be, be for levi to have a match against like yeah. like like they're two totally different sports so it's like they can't really fight each other yeah because like okay lachlan if he jumps in the gear it's like it's you know you know i sorry lachlan Uh, but but, but like 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 levi's taking that one but then if you go no gear like like you know giles is taking that one like no question yeah like i i like levi's like you know literally one of the best gear players in the world lachlan's one of the best no gear players in the world like like it's yeah and and so if between the two of them there's no one for either of them to compete against mm. like it, and it's bizarre you, eh? and, you, and you realize that because like if you looked at other sports in australia like like you know th- th- there's people for anyone to go <laughs> i was trying to move straight past that yeah. no i just like giving him shit <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like like you look at other sports there's like you know masses of people you could potentially go against but like jiu-jitsu it's quite small and then you look then when you realize like that actually doesn't isn't just australia that extends to the rest of jiu-jitsu like like it's hard to make matchups like even for craig for example like he's craig's very good but he's not gordon ryan but even then there's not really anyone for craig to go against either yeah. it's crazy the the disparity even at the top oh yeah like i look at when ari was talking about levi on the podcast and he's like oh yeah no I, there's no chance i have literally no chance yeah. i'm like what do you mean like i don't understand yeah. what you mean because you're fucking good at jiu-jitsu yeah he's like yep not even close not even the same ballpark and i was like I don't, i'm not sure i get that rolled yeah. with levi oh no i get it yeah but how the fuck does it happen how does that dude who puts his entire life into jiu-jitsu be so much better than that dude who puts his entire life into jiu-jitsu and then you got craig who's freak of all freaks oh yeah and then you got gordon craig yeah. can't fuck with gordon what like yeah. how what's the math i i if i knew i would yeah, i would be doing it. it i'd be yeah. i'd be doing it i i'm i'm trying to work all that out like yeah it, it's one of those things where like you, you can ask yeah, you could ask Craig, like, him versus Gordon. It's not close. Like, like they've had... That's so fucked up. Yeah. They and, train and together like, every day. Like, I'd say, like, Craig, second be- like second best, like, no-gi competitor on the planet. Like, like pound for pound. Gordon, number one. Number one to number two, not close. Like, like that's that, so weird. That's eh? crazy. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like you, you almost see the same with the UFC with, um, what was it, the light heavyweight division? Like, you got someone like John Jones. Yeah. Like, like, I feel like him versus anyone else in his division, not close. Yeah, but see, with that, it makes more sense to me. Why is that? Because there's more weapons, yep. there's aggression, yep. you know, there's so many uh, factors that come into play. Whereas in jiu-jitsu, like, in my head, essentially, you could code jiu-jitsu. Hmm. You could code reactions, you could code for this reaction has this, for this group has yep. this, for this. And then, you know, you could you could run it like a... In the same way that you can run chess algorithms, you can have yeah. two computers that essentially there is like a finite set of rules. Yeah. Infinite well, variability, I'd say. Th- there is like, I, I think I, I've, I've spent a lot of like, I actually spent a fair bit of time like trying to 
work that out. Like even with chess I algorithms, I want to hear all about it because oh, I'm lost. But even with chess algorithms, like, like even with like you know chess, like the finite sport that it is, like when when you start trying to like build an algorithm around it, it's almost infinite possibilities. Like mm. like the the way that it works for chess, and I actually I, I apply this with a lot of my students in jujitsu. Like we're talking about like concepts. Like a lot of times I. I I, I borrowed this from like, you know, when they were building like chess algorithms is this idea of working backwards through a sequence. So when you, when you talk about like chess algorithms, like, um, in, like in chess, like you have like the end game. And so when they, they mm. have like the, the chess AI, the, the way it works is they build up like a, a table of end game positions. And the idea is that like, you know, you're working towards one of those positions rather than being like, this is the pathway to those positions. Like, and you know that from the outset, like they're, they're almost like working backwards, like trying to under, like knowing where they want to be working backwards from there. And you can actually take that lesson across to jujitsu where, um, you know, we're talking about like getting disproportionately skilled in certain areas. If you can mm. find like a couple of areas, get really, really good at them. Like, like it doesn't matter how you get there. Like, for example, like if you got into it, like if, if you put someone in an armbar, does it really matter how you got there? If you armbar them, not all to that, the ref. All that matters is you put them in the armbar. So, like that's why I, I think when it comes to jujitsu and like this idea of like uh, you know submission grappling, like the most important aspect is the submission. So you should be able to like like you know take this lesson from like chess almost and uh, yeah and, like, work apply on the end game. And I think that's actually why Gordon is so good because he spent so much time under John Danaher like working on like you know all the late stage positions that like. Obviously, he has at this stage like got it all mapped out exactly how he wants to get there. But he started with the end game mm. and works backwards from there because he knows where he wants to end up. Because you notice, like Gordon Ryan doesn't actually submit everyone with every single submission possible. He's got a select few areas where he's very, very skilled. They happen to be the most common submissions in <laughs> yeah. jiu-jitsu, but that's because like you know they're the most effective. Like because you can't get good at every single submission. So he's gone like you know like you look like someone John Danaher. He goes, okay, well these are the most successful submissions yeah. in jiu-jitsu. So let's just spend all our time on getting good at them rather than trying to work out like these niche submissions that we could potentially trick someone with if there's not evidence to support that like you know you can see the like you know you can see the submission coming and like it doesn't work like that's probably not something to spend your time on yeah because like eventually like as you get to the top everyone knows your game but if you can get really really good at like the most successful submissions in the sport like then you can just work towards them yeah yeah sorry that's going off on like a massive no, no, tangent no, no, from no. where we were but, yeah like, yeah I, I feel like it all relates kind of yeah no it definitely does what do you think then if we look at gordon like what why is he essentially unbeatable in your mind um because it is the same thing like he's doing the same jiu-jitsu but he's not doing the same jiu-jitsu i i think part of it is is like i, I gordon himself like when it comes to jiu-jitsu is very intelligent um we can leave like the different yeah. discussions like off the table yeah but um I think even though he's very, very intelligent at jiu-jitsu and, like, he knows exactly what he wants to do, he can teach everything that, like, he does, I think what truly makes him good at jiu-jitsu is, like, absolute faith in John. Mm. Like, he completely trusts whatever John shows him and he just commits to it. Like, and I think actually Craig talked about this recently is because think of it like this. We've never seen John fail at a jiu-jitsu technique because he doesn't roll. Yeah, true. So, like, like, say, for example, like, I say like your coach in like the the general sense, not yeah, specifically yeah. your coach, but yeah. it's like you've seen your coach fail before. Yeah, and like you've probably even seen him fail at his best techniques. At I, least, actually, at least, I literally this is gonna sound fucked up. I've literally never seen my coach in trouble one time. Really? Ever. Okay, well, never mind. But he has been submitted by Lockie. I'm uh, not submitted. I think uh, he lost to Lockie. I'm pretty sure. But uh, and I've I've seen him 
Oh, no, I've seen him lose on uh, live stream at World Masters, yeah. I think. But, but, but yeah, what, like, yeah, I know exactly. But, but that's what, what I mean. Like, like but in the gym, literally yeah. never. It's but fucking out of control. Exactly that. So, like, there's this perception that your coach is human, but, like, you know, John Danaher, he's never failed in yeah, competition. Yeah. So, therefore, he's almost like like a godlike. Like, yeah. This, this is like yeah. the perception, at least. So, like, and it instills a lot of trust. As Gordon, you can build that up in your head. And exactly. that can be, like, the pillar that you yeah. lean on. And, and, like, you see that with the way he talks about John as well. Like, like he. he he gives John all the credit in the world and like I it's sounds like it's probably like you know like he's he's due the credit as well mm. but I think like that just that absolute faith in what John's showing him really goes a long way towards him just committing to every single technique that John goes for because like if like say for example you come up with a technique yourself and even though you know it works like there's still like this degree of like oh well I've stuffed this up before like maybe it's not perfect mm. but like if John's telling you that it is the perfect technique and like you just need to apply it better like like that that does something psychologically I think yeah yeah definitely I think I think too so after when I rolled with Levi yep. I literally did 0% jiu-jitsu and that's not an exaggeration like I, I feel like if we went and rolled and this is no not in any way disrespectful I could get a grip oh yeah. I could at least get a grip and yeah. you'd break that grip and then you'd pass me and then you'd submit me oh me to leave I no comparison like that's but not it offensive was, <laughs> it was fucking crazy dude yeah. and I was just so bewildered man I was just like I and I'm not in any way I don't think I'm good like I know exactly where I, I stand in the totem pole of jiu-jitsu so this is not coming from a person that's good this is coming from a person that trains every day and at least gets to do jiu-jitsu in yep. every role that yep. i do for one percent of the time for 20 percent sliding scale yep. levi zero and i was just like what the fuck is happening man i couldn't move i couldn't get grips yep. i couldn't get like keep any there was literally nothing that i could do and it was honestly like a mind-blowing experience yep. of like and i took away i was like here is a dude that is like living in the matrix yeah of physically like in the game that we've agreed to play like he's got the source code yep. he's got access to the source code and i'm fucking super late to the game and it was just like they're so smooth of just like deflecting everything the pressure was crazy like I couldn't move my hips yep. with him holding my shins. Couldn't move my... And I was like, all right, so I know he's controlling my shins. Why can't anything else move? And by the time you finish that thought, he's inside it's control. Over, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, holy yeah. fuck. So imagine I... in Then in my head, I'm like, there's just... It, there must just be some weird thing that these guys that are like that pinnacle, like tip of the spear kind of thing they've just got some sort of feeling going on where like they know the rules so well like there's yeah. some access to yeah just not even more information on like a conceptual level it's just like so so detailed to where it's like i grab here i grab here you're shut down yeah and you watch like even uh was it was gordon's match against gianni yeah well, did he fight gianni before wagner was Gianni um, his last fight before Wagner? No, no, no. Um, oh, who was uh, it? Roberto. Uh, Roberto. Jimenez. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's yeah. Uh, when then uh, when Roberto ended up coming up and uh, then Gordon's playing guard, Roberto couldn't pass him, and Gordon didn't even use his legs. Oh yeah, like he just literally framed while sitting down, couldn't get past Roberto Jimenez is like an amazing guard passer. Yeah. So like that's what I mean. There's some. 
there's just something fucking weird going on yeah it's, at, at that top level where it's like so to talk about john it's like the techniques i don't want to like disagree with you but i just feel like it extends so there's something else oh there's certainly going something on else. and like, obviously like it must stem from just the original coaching yeah but there's his way of processing that information that he's been given so a he's getting given the correct information and then b what he is able to internalize and then do with that information is something that like maybe it's something i'll never be able to do even if i spent the exact same amount of time it's like the baseline is just not there's a ceiling there you know Uh, yeah like it's interesting what aspects go into that because like you're exactly right like like I was talking about like like Gordon and John yep. but John's got a lot of students like yeah. and they're not all Gordon Ryan so clearly there's an aspect of it that is yeah, Gordon Ryan like yeah, I wonder yeah. I wonder how much of it is also like like neuroplasticity like Gordon is mm. actually I think the youngest on the team as well like 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 with everything else going on Gordon actually is younger than me I, th- I think the only one younger than him is like Nikki, Nikki Ryan yeah. and Nikki Rod yeah but like outside of that because I think Gordon's 24 yeah something yeah exactly that's crazy so so i wonder how much of it is like you know something like that for example where like he also like he just takes in the information so much faster but also like something else to it as well like yeah yeah but it's just there isn't that it factor yeah and there isn't another one of him in sports that is like the best dude can't get matches the second best dude's like essentially dog shit compared to him. <laughs> yeah, ex- it's exactly. just like ex- what what world are we living in where like if seven billion people there's like one dude that can just yeah. play this one game that much better. It makes me uh, wonder like compared to other sports as well, like if how much of it is because of like not having enough depth in jujitsu to fill that out like yeah if like say for example like jujitsu opened up to everyone and we had as if many people do- school yeah like yeah. and like everyone was doing it like the same way like basketball in america is popular where you're getting all the super athletes like 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 because like we talked about john jones before like john jones was the runt of the litter out of like what was it he's uh he's he's got yeah, th- four four or three brothers yeah he's yeah. got three brothers and he all was the runt the of the litter they're all in the nfl he's like oh well i can't do it. like i didn't make it in the nfl i'll go do mma and he's like literally the greatest mma fighter of all time and like he's the runt of the litter. Yeah. Like like so it makes me wonder how much of it is like depth in the sport. Like if we open up jujitsu to everyone, because mm. we're seeing that now with even someone like Nicky Rod, for example. Like how like he's been training I think three years now, and like he's a super athlete. Like he's someone that's in jujitsu that's a genuine athlete. I think we don't have any many real athletes yeah. in jujitsu that are yeah. getting to a successful level. But he's someone that uh, is a real athlete and is getting to that level. Yeah, because there's athletes and then there's NFL standard athletes. Exactly. And there's a really, really, really big difference. Exactly. Like I'm doing, like I'm doing jujitsu. I'm doing something that is is athletic. I don't consider myself an, an athlete. Like, mm. like, like, just I just compared to anyone that's like what i'll call a real athlete in other sports like even if you look at wrestling for example like someone mm. like a, like actually i can't even pick like a single person because i feel like the days of wrestling where you had like non-athletic people in wrestling are long gone with, like, yeah <laughs> exactly it, it might be him <laughs> and then before that it's like dave schultz but like like they're like disappearing like like yeah. if to, i feel like to be competitive in wrestling you have to be a real athlete yeah so like i think maybe jiu-jitsu will get to that point if it opens up enough I think that's one of the most special things about jiu-jitsu though because Absolutely. I'm not a good athlete. Yeah. Like me personally, I've done sport my entire life. I'm not very good at sport. Yeah. But I would I'm, I'm uh objectively better than myself at other sports at yeah. jiu-jitsu. Yeah. So I think that that's kind of one of the cool things about it. For sure. And you kind of can 
get a superpower yeah essentially you know 10 years of doing jiu-jitsu you have a superpower over a person that hasn't been doing that yeah and, and like 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 to your point as well like like we're talking about gordon ryan i'd actually even say gordon ryan i don't think is very athletic no i wouldn't like, say so like, either like compared to someone like nikki rod who i think is a real athlete you look at like the guys that appear in wrestling or any other sports gordon ryan isn't very athletic mm. so like that is something that's beautiful about jiu-jitsu i think is you can really go deep down on just skill sets. Yeah. Like 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 pure like purely just skill sets rather than It's like, like a data know, driven game. Yeah, exactly. Which I think is really interesting. Yeah. Especially to be a sport. Like you would not say data in sport is for coaches. Yeah. And yep. then the players just go out and apply yeah. the they get given, I guess, like a reduced version of the data yeah. that has been analyzed. And it's Absolutely. like, okay, how do we communicate this in the simplest message to the, the athlete? But in jujitsu, it's like the athlete needs the most data. Yeah. And it's like, let's get like, let's figure yeah. out a way to transfer. I guess in some cases, you're trying to keep it as simple as possible. Yeah. But the people that benefit are the ones that just know so much more. I think I think that's where the sport is at now. I think that's changing over time, though. I, mm. I think I think part of it is because compared to say something like wrestling, which is like we're talking about like the grappling arts, let's say like jujitsu is probably the most all-encompassing of all the grappling arts. So there's so much more to learn, and mm. I think we're not at that stage where we know enough about jujitsu where we can truly simplify it in a way like where it, it we have like more of that sort of like coach-athlete relationship. Mm. I think we're getting to that point though. Because we're seeing that with like, like again, like going back to like John Danaher, we're seeing that more with his team where you're seeing like a team of athletes or like like a team of competitors and then an athlete, Nicky Rod, yeah. where like they're all doing what John teaches them. And then like, I think John's got, John is probably like the first coach we've really got in jiu-jitsu that's got like a true grasp of the sport and is able to simplify it. Like you said, like, like give those true coaching cues rather than giving the students all the data. Yeah. And I think maybe the sport's going in that direction overall now, like maybe that type of information will start to like, you know, um, spread through the rest of jujitsu and we'll get to that point where it becomes more of an actual team sport. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so I think maybe we're more like that turning point in the sport where we're getting to a stage where maybe we'll see uh, what you're talking about there. Yeah. I wonder what has to happen though. Yeah. from a sports perspective to keep the wheel turning like yeah. it, because it is it's like insanely bottlenecked at the top yeah i guess luckily there's a trillion other fights that you can put on yeah. um with so many other people but in terms of like the top dude if gordon keeps competing in jiu-jitsu yeah then it's like well who beats that dude for x amount of time like that anybody that could even come close to beating gordon like now like you're not you know what i mean you'd see that person coming from years away there's yeah. like a very clear progression of yeah. these pe- there's no one hiding that there's no francis Ngannou in a yeah. sand mine exactly. in africa that is like secretly training jiu-jitsu that's gonna fuck up gordon ryan like exactly. there's nobody on the horizon like it, it, and it's one of those things where i th- i like i try and keep you know my finger on the pulse with like what's going on and like the sport and like who's coming up i i feel like there are people coming up but they're not in a position to be able to like reach their full potential to challenge gordon ryan because mm. because as i mentioned like it's hard i think at, to be an athlete what um, would you what would you um like elaborate on that like what would sure. be stopping those people um sure so they i i think because as i mentioned like we're talking about like the way the sport's evolving and like how we're, we're looking at like the henzo gracie team and like that's the first example of like a real team in the sport yeah yeah the only way like 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 so you'd need to have like an equivalent somewhere else and for that athlete to go towards that other team like 
where like you know that that team has the potential to actually grow in properly in the right direction like to have mm. like their own essential john danaher or like like a true dedicated coach like that and i don't think that really exists anywhere else yet yeah so i think like i think lucky will probably be that dude yep. once he stops competing yeah I, I was gonna say i think like the big factor there is having a coach that has stepped away from competing yeah. and is yeah. really focused on that rather than a coach that has stepped away from competing and like is kind of trying to step away from jiu-jitsu without actually stepping away from jiu-jitsu yeah. I, I i think to get that sort of coach you need someone that's really like that is what they want to do versus like that's what they're sort of like shoehorned into doing yeah it's crazy a crazy dynamic because you need the you need the talent you can't just have the coach you need the talent to be coached and then the talent needs the coach exactly so there there is a crazy dynamic there yeah you'd think that if craig never went to new york and just stayed with Lockie, Lockie didn't murder it at adcc retires and then it's like righto everything's on craig craig's gonna be the guy it's possible it's it's possible um i i don't now think craig's it w- fighting kids and shit like he's like we've we've lost him he's off oh, the rails yeah like you know what he's fighting kids but it's like i fought cade retour like a year and a, how long ago and i lost to him so it's like man like how did you lose that one um did you get dust yeah i got dust so yeah. I, I escaped the first dust. i've spent a lot of time on my dust escape since then like that's that yeah, example yeah. of the ego that we talked about yeah um i haven't actually talked about this before um i guess we'll talk about it now because i know like yeah i i'm not really big on giving excuses but i think it's been long enough since then that that match yeah. that i can like sort of like talk about it i didn't train for two weeks leading up to that match I um I really seriously injured my shoulder about two weeks out. Oh really? Yeah, and so so that match I had zero preparation for, um and like yeah so that's like that's a match where it's like I lost. I'm not mad. I'm just frustrated. Like like you wish you could run that one yeah. back. Yeah, and, and it's one of those things where like I didn't want to make a post at the time because it's like he could have hurt his shoulder two weeks out from that match too, and I just don't know about it because yeah. he's kept because he's won and so he's kept it inside. Like yeah yeah like and so so I. I feel comfortable talking about it now because it's been so long since then because like he's won the match and he's clearly gone on to be like like a great competitor yeah like like i mean he already was a great competitor but like he's still rising yeah um so that's a match where it's like i'd like to have the rematch um but i need to earn it first yeah yeah Yeah. so so yeah so i I injured my shoulder about two weeks out and then i taught one class and then i got staff in my armpit a week out (sighs) so so i i spent i i had an injured shoulder and by the time the match came i I was finishing my course of antibiotics. I didn't have staff anymore. Um, otherwise, like if I like still actually had like a serious infection, I would have pulled out. Yeah. Um, but like I was still like taking um, antibiotics, which uh, takes a fair bit of a toll on you. Mm. Um, yeah. So that's a match like I'd really like to work towards getting back. Like, and I mean, it like, was a sick match uh, at the start. It's probably right? the more, one of the more exciting matches yeah. I've had. Like, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I'm trying to fully remember it. I wonder if we should. Yeah, it's probably too hard to log in. Um, <laughs> try type in flow grappling into the browser there, Rones. I'd love to just give it a little. Should should just come up. Yeah, it's uh, I right, go log in. Oh, already logged oh, no, in. I think. logged in. Sweet. Go search Jeremy Skinner. Sorry to rewatch it, dude. This no, it's is the all good. Second I, I, day in a row we've re rewatched uh, someone's loss. No, that's okay. I, I've watched it many so go many down, times. Go down. Just like, yeah. Where is it? Um, should be a little bit further down because I did Nogi Worlds right after uh, that. Oh, okay. I Actually, I think I did Polaris and the Nogi Worlds like straight away. There we go, the there, top there one. There go, that top that, one. The, the only problem I have with the match is that thumbnail that I had for the video, they have that posted 
everywhere, like every single week for like six months after that. Like really? every time I wanted to open something jujitsu related, I just looked at that photo of him diving on a das. That's so fucking funny. Oh, it's just like that was what made me the like frustrated me the most. Fast forward through a little bit. Yeah, like during the match, like I think like Cade had like a, yeah, I remember it being a good match. Yeah, he had like a dance attempt earlier than that. I think actually he even put me in like an inverted triangle. I had like a flying triangle attempt. Oh yeah, go back a bit, right? Yeah, like um, I think shortly after that I had a flying triangle attempt earlier in the match. I put him in saddle, like like right off the bat. Like this is where it yeah. was. I think I had, I can't remember exactly how that was. I think yeah, I'd switched to an outside heel hook here, switched back to oh, saddle again. Yeah, that's pretty deep too, eh? Yeah. Why is this internet being and then so shit? I think he clears his leg here and he does like a nice weird back step with his left leg, I think it was. Yeah, this was an exciting match, dude. It was a good match. Like, I'm not... Yeah, I'm not bitter about rewatching this. Like... <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the thing is too, like... Look at that. That, that was nice. Like, I really did not see it coming. I rewatched this and I, I actually don't even quite know how he set that up. Like, that was... I think that was just go, pure intuition. Go back intuition. a tiny bit. Um, I think that was just yeah, pure yeah, intuition, that, that yeah. one. Like... But that's a nice triangle setup. Like I'm a big fan of that. Like the yeah. side, the side triangle Kimura. Yeah. Like you, you'll see Craig's really good with that as well. So, I mean, I'm sitting here, I'm looking at this match, and I'm thinking, like, okay, well, I lost this match, but I'm like, this is what he could have done to make his side triangle better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that that's the thing too with jujitsu. Like, I mean, we just finished talking about how fucking no one can beat Gordon, but in general, like most matches you get two i'm pretty sure you guys were what both brown belts at this time or uh I, I was a brown belt. belt i think he was a he was a purple or a blue belt i know he got nah, like he a, was a purple belt he was a purple was, belt yeah, i know yeah. he got promoted very very quickly like, like yeah. from like blue belt to purple belt to brown belt quite quickly yeah yeah um fast forward a bit rones that's super hard to finish that kind of triangle yeah like it's 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 quite a difficult one you've really got to play off the kimura to make that work yeah and this is where we went so for the So this is where he's going here. for the yeah. first R, say. I think he gets it right after that. Yeah. I remember you just being the whitest dude alive. Oh, yeah. Straight from a Melbourne winter. Yeah. Hey, jiu-jitsu is not exactly great yeah, for tanning. Yeah. No, hey, I feel you. I feel you. If you're spending 12 hours a day indoors, you're not going to pick up a tan. No, no, no. no and then no, we're 100%. in the UK here, so I, even though I wasn't training, I really did not have much time to do any tanning. Yeah, like look, the, it, make, it makes sense. I think every time I've been to the UK, it has been overcast the, over like the entire oh, country. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that that I don't know why they gave us Australia. <laughs> they should have all moved yeah, over here. They should have left us the there. shit people there. <laughs> And I think this is where he dies for it. Yeah. yeah. That was nice. Like, yeah. I, yeah. This one here, um, I've spent a lot more time on my DAS defense. Like there, I'm taking my elbow low. But instead, what I do now is I actually punch it towards his opposite hip. Yeah. Um, Like, so instead, I'm trying to like bring my, my arm to my left. But really, I should be like punching it forward and then trying to flatten out from there. Yeah. Okay. But uh, yeah, I definitely don't have a DAS escape in my... I, I think that's something that gets neglected in jiu-jitsu quite a fair bit is like dedicated submission escapes yeah. rather than just like yeah. hoping I'll get out and I'm going to hold on until like maybe they let go. Yeah. I think that's like not a recipe for success. Like that's that's a recipe for, you know, hoping you're against someone worse than yourself. Dude, this was gnarly. Oh yeah, my my neck was so sore after this match. Dude, I bet. Yeah. He's like really chasing that thing. Oh yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I had fun with this one. Like, yeah, I, that was one of those ones where I think I uh, rewatched it a few times. Like, quite wow. quite bitter. 
And then after that, I can rewatch it and like be a bit more uh, like proud of the effort. Yeah, exactly. Like I was actually overall, I was actually happy with how I did, considering how I was feeling. You can see like we're not even that like long into the match, and my cardio's all gone. Yeah, right. And I think that's like a combination of like the antibiotics and just like having not trained at all. Well, I mean, you can see this is where he's he's set up's amazing. He, he inverts his grip on the Toriando there, forcing yeah. you to post that hand high, and that's where he starts shooting for the dust from there. It's a really really nice setup. Yeah, I've stolen that one. Yeah, it's crazy when you can when you watch back a loss, man. Yeah, and you can re- like deconstruct it, um, and like it's literally right there. Like you can see the sequence of mistakes that led to absolutely a submission. You know, it's super valuable. I think this is when I shoot a flying triangle, and I think I've never gone for this in my entire life. Fuck, that's, ever. A, that's amazing. I think was it here? Yeah, that's it. Front headlock, and then I think he took an underhook, overhook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then from here, they move us to the center, and I think this Ooh. is when I jump for it. You can see you were just about to pull the trigger on it too before they put you back to the center. Dude, this was a crazy match. <laughs> this this isn't an L to be bummed on. Oh, yeah. When, see, he's talking to the ref then. He, he was saying to the ref, he goes, he's talking right now. He goes, can I slam him? And I just whispered in his ear. I was like, bro, you can't slam me. <laughs> Do not slam me. Yeah. That's awesome. I'll, like, I'll <laughs> and um, I was trying to work a guillotine from there, but like I, I just couldn't break him down from that position. I think like my legs were just gassing out too yeah. much. I, that, in hindsight, there's a lot more I could have done with that position. I think eventually I gave up and I tried to look for K-Guard on one of his legs. Did you... Who'd you have in your corner? Um, I actually had Lachlan, Craig, and Liv. That's right. Like, I, had, I, had, I had the whole yeah, crowd in yeah, my corner. You had the A-team, bro. <laughs> yeah. I think actually on that day we had... Um, I think Craig's brother Adam competed as well. Oh, yeah. You should have him on the podcast. He, he's got so many amazing stories. He's a crack up. Dude, uh, I wish I got to do the Thailand camp with him. Oh, man. Um, because he he was there for both of Craig's ones. And yeah. everyone was just like, yeah, he's a, he's a G. He, he, he's a legend. Um, he was in my corner as well for this. Um, he he um, competed on the event earlier. I think also James Walters. I don't know if you know James. Yeah, so so James is an absolute weapon of a brown belt as well. Like, um, I think he's up in Newcastle now, though. Yeah, right. Um, he's really really good, and he spent a lot of time traveling around with Craig, like like around the US. Um, like yeah. Spent a lot of time at Henzo's just because I think um, I think his partner she was like studying um medicine over yeah. in the US, something like that. Yeah. So we had like the full crew here at this event. Like it was a uh, it was a good time. That's um yeah that is a bummer though that you were yeah. you were sick leading up to that yeah. but yeah honestly still it's a sick match like oh, even yeah. I remember um yeah I remember watching I watched this whole card actually yeah and I remember I, being stoked on how you did yeah uh, I I'd like to like yeah have another shot again but like it's one of those things where I felt terrible at the time but in hindsight I'm like that might be like the most exciting match I've had so maybe I should just stop training before matches yeah yeah what do you think yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you're you're up in a you're up in what forty eight hours. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, maybe maybe Kane and I'll just start. I'll tell him I've stopped training now. Yeah, <laughs> dude, how crazy you want to talk about jujitsu? Um, oh, what would you call it? Like a like a freak party project, you know, like mad scientist, two twins, oh yeah, training with one of the goats, you know, like if you could engineer that shit in a lab, like yeah, dude, dr- identical drilling partner, 
I, I feel like the Meow Brothers were like the ultimate they experiment the, on that. Yeah, that was the first one. And it's interesting we were talking before about like, you know, like that it factor with competitors. Like there's actually, even though I'd say like Paolo and Jiao like have had like almost the same upbringing in jujitsu, it's interesting like there's actually a pretty big disparity in terms of their like achievements in jujitsu. Mm. Um, like like Paolo, like um, he's a, I think he's a bronze medalist at ADCC. Actually he might even be a silver medalist. Um, but like like uh, Zhao's like competed ADCC I think once in 2013. Um, I think now he's finally won a world championship. But for the longest time, Paolo was the one that won the world championship. Like, like it's so it's interesting. Like they're so close. Like they're so close in terms of their upbringing in jiu-jitsu, Like the skill sets they work on. Yeah. But like in terms of their achievements, like it's not identical. Yeah. Like, so that like, is I, interesting, eh? Yeah. Like so so again, like it's a it's a question of like where does that it factor come from? Like. Is it actually like, is that last like 1%? Is it actually truly just random? Like in terms of circumstance, yeah. like who you get matched up against in your division? And I reckon over time, like if we're talking specifically the Meow Brothers, yep. it's just all a mental thing. It could be because I think Paolo actually got promoted to Brown Belt before Zhao. Like, mm. so it could even be like it stemmed, like, like I'm not going to sit here and play, uh, you yeah, know, like, like psych with them, but like, uh, I, it could even like exactly that like stem from that like 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 seeds sort of planted early where it's sort of like long term um uh, sort of affects you mentally yeah and i think that there's just like a so me and my brother this is this is a real good example because me and my brother were very similar in motocross right so yep. we were born and raised same house blah 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 rode the same bikes everything yep. he's so much better than me like ridiculous would you, what would you chalk that up to just him just him yeah okay. it's just all in i think that motocross is weird um and this is me getting into the meta of that in a similar way with jiu-jitsu but i think that there's i think there's uh uh i wish it was testable and i'm sure maybe it is maybe one day it will be but i don't i think speed is subjective yeah going fast like if we're sitting in a car together on the bruce uh, highway yep. and we're in the same vehicle looking out the same window doing 100 kilometers an yep. hour it would feel different to me yep. than it would to you and i think that there's so there's a moment like let's say if you you've got a 90 degree left hand turn in a car and then yep. there's a wall and then there's the turn right yep. you're driving down the highway and i'm like go as fast as you can and make that turn it makes sense there's going to be a point where you hit the brakes and go fuck like everyone will have that reaction michael schumacher it's probably 20 30 meters down the road yeah it makes sense like 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 exactly that like you know like generally like 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 at a solid speed like you don't experience like the change like you you experience changes in speed like you experience acceleration deceleration at like a cruising like sort of speed like you yeah. don't notice anything but it might be like exactly that like on like a turn for example like you're both hitting it at the same speed but like because like a corner is like a like the nature of a corner is like acceleration and decelerate uh, acceleration and deceleration yeah like exactly that like how you deal with like that feeling like might be exactly what it is like the same way like some people like you'll have like you know say for example like two brothers like one of them can do roller coasters the other can't yeah like it could be exactly that because that's i feel like that's probably the same sort of thing yeah like yeah the, i think there's just this thing that there is like whatever your um and i think you know how i was saying you talk about self-referencing and it's like the ego yeah. i think that there there is this like process of your experience yeah so like all oh, for sure there's like the your conscious you're having this experience the self that you are is in the middle of that experience yep. and it is interpreting the the um information that yeah. is like filling out 
the sure. void of experience. And yeah. I think that if you're you're about to make that turn, right? And there's the wall there and it's like, make this turn as fast as possible. There's like a process going on yeah. that's like predicting what you need to do to make, hit the brakes, turn left, hit the accelerate. Like there's a process yeah. going on there. And then there's a, a, like a prediction that your brain is making of what yeah. you need to do to make that turn and live yeah. and, that, that and i think of, that some people are more efficient in yeah. making those predictions yeah so that the like the fear that you feel that there's like fuck need to hit the brakes that's a response that's you responding to that process yeah. that you've calculated but if you put like a a machine like a robot ai robot self-driving car or whatever and you just programmed yeah. it to go the same then it's not going to feel any of that it's just going to do the calculations it's going to extract the exact right yeah. amount of data based on physics not on an emotional or like the self interpretation and it's just going to go like bing 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 grrr, done yeah and i imagine like part of that is like exactly that like um like you're talking about like the slight differences i wonder if it's like you know like we talk about like you know say being an athlete like diet things like that like all those little things across the course of your life like sort of like add up to that moment where like yeah. it's maybe slightly affected the way you've absorbed information at certain periods of your life and things like that oh, like, like like where so like it's, crazy, it's, yeah. it's all those small things and maybe that's where like that it factor comes from where it's like it's not random but it's unpredictable like yeah. like like you know those two being like two or separate there's things. just so many factors that it could that, that, be that's exactly what i mean like yeah. it, like it's it's not random it's like it's not predictable like there's so many factors that like it's yes, just not a calculation that you can make exactly like and because that's the nature of everything like like there's nothing that's truly random like i think when you want to like you know say for example like you google like like number random number generation uh, generation they they take in um things like certain waves coming in from the atmosphere that are getting measured and like that's the closest thing we've got to to randomness and so they yeah. base off like those those uh sort of like random number of generators off that yeah, nothing's right. truly random so it's more about the fact that it's not random it's just unpredictable like we don't have enough information about like what's coming in to be able to yeah. like make an accurate prediction about it yeah yeah so yeah. so like maybe like that's what, that's all it shocks up to and you know it's down to like you know two athletes that have like we've got everything the same but then it is those right <laughs> like yeah. like radiation well, nothing's the same like you got let's say ty and Cade rotolo yeah it's like on the on the macro scale everything's yeah. the same yeah but on the micro scale nothing's yeah. the same like you know one might I mean? have had a cheeseburger for lunch and the other one had a hot dog like well, even like a shitty conversation yeah oh exactly that Cade was out of the room for yeah and then you ties in the room and then yeah. something happens that gets internalized at a young age yeah. that's something that you know like a childhood trauma or whatever could just be like these tiny little details it, it, you can even probably this is like getting full into like butterfly effects sort of yeah sort of stuff. yeah dude that's legit yeah like it could even be like a bad conversation before a training session and that's like the one session where like that guy like you know say for example Cade picked up like how to like defend against a certain submission like that one little detail and the other one didn't because he's like too busy thinking about like something terrible that's happened in his life or just like a crap conversation he's had so he's not really focused on training and he's just thinking like oh i just want to get to rolling so i can beat someone up yeah, Could we yeah. Come, like like i imagine like that sort of stuff snowballs yeah to the level of unpredictableness but man what a way to grow up if you're into oh, yeah. jiu-jitsu like yeah. how crazy I, I would love to know like can you imagine if their parents kept it like a hour meter just like bing start and it's just like how many you're, how many hours they've rolled together i think you're starting to stray into almost like those nazi level experiments that went on I love like, that they, shit. Yeah. like that it's one of those things where it's like the most awful thing on the planet like like yeah, that they've yeah. done but like they ran experiments on like you know like like the twins like like yeah. pairs, pairs of twins and like the relationship they had when kept apart and like, you know, like when <laughs> yeah. they kept together like 
that's absolutely crazy yeah but that's like the only way that you'd be able to fucking figure this it, shit out eh? yeah maybe that's why we like maybe that's why there's still going to be randomness in the world because like we probably shouldn't do those things that's that's actually a great point like there's <laughs> just so much data that you you could not collate at yeah. all so like what's the fucking point exactly so so maybe we should just say arts oh, magic just insane yeah jiu-jitsu getting good at jiu-jitsu it's magic you yeah. can do 95 percent of it the last five percent's magic and randomness yeah but that's <laughs> it's just a something that yeah there is a it but you see that in everything like oh for sure you look at kelly slater there's waves yeah. that kelly slater's got as a 40 year old where you're just like bruh what what do you have connected to the surfboard yeah like you know there's just these people that can just do this insane shit but i i wonder people that like surfing big wave surfing how the fuck do you paddle into a wave like that what's the process that you have to go through over x amount of time to think that that is something that you can physically do because i feel like i mean i imagine to a degree you can build up to it but you can't build up to where it's like oh you know that's like a i don't i I don't know surfing terminology but let's say like like a two million foot wave let's say like like you can't build like like say for example you've got a massive wave coming along you can't be like nah i'm gonna pick the slightly smaller massive wave that comes along and build up to like this really big one it's like small wave massive waves let's go yeah like i I, that's that's how i imagine the process works like i don't know how you'd build up to it and just get like have the conviction to commit to something like that oh yeah that's what i mean like just the mental the the place that the human brain can go yeah to tell you you can do do a certain thing is yeah. so insane like it's, there's a pretty unbelievable capacity there yeah it's just i feel like there's like yeah certain things like that where like there's no build-up you just do it and like it like it mm. basically is sink or swim like yeah in that in that circumstance you, you mentioned kelly slater uh how do you feel about like you know like what's happening now with jiu-jitsu like uh you know basically like celebrities starting to make jiu-jitsu more popular like you're seeing like guys like joe rogan that are bringing yeah uh, you know, like pe- like you know, jujitsu to the masses, and like guys like Kelly Slater, for example, doing exactly that. Like, yeah, well, I think I personally think it's awesome. Yeah. What I don't like is when you see footage of like Ashton Kutcher rolling. Yeah, with Craig. Yeah. And then you're just like, nah, well, he's not a brown belt. He's and not really a brown belt. But yeah. It, and anyone like, can see that. Yeah. And then so I think in that specific circumstance, but yeah. so I know Edwin, like uh, Najmi, we've like we've talked back and forth. I'm gonna get him yeah. on the podcast. Sweet. Um. But and he's like full homies with Spencer Pratt. Yep. And awesome. who was on the hills. Yeah. yeah. Full reality sells crystals on his Instagram. <laughs> and so I was talking to Edwin and I was like, is Spencer like a legit brown belt? And he said, hands down, yep. legit as fuck. Yeah. So that I think that the more people that see um, jujitsu for what it is, yep. and like Kelly is a, an advocate of it. Dude, little known uh, full on jujitsu savage celebrity is Jack Freestone. Oh, he's really? a, like he's on the world tour he's married to alana blanchard where's he where's he training uh in the boar's nest i believe in like, Kau- oh in yeah, yeah yeah or hawaii yeah there, he's, he's i think there's hawaii. a couple of cool guys that go and train out there like uh, yeah 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 it's huge in, in surfing but jack's a legit purple belt like really really good like trains yep. he had i think he had his blue belt for five years because yep. he was just on and off with see like, that so would go in season off season that's where i feel like the problems arise like like i mean 
we can get into a whole discussion about whether or not like you know belts are bullshit or not but like like approximately people spend like about two years on each belt mm. and i think like what happens with the celebrities a lot of the time is you know they they can't dedicate that much time to getting a blue belt in two years but then they're still getting it in two years yeah yeah like because that's why i wonder about like i think demi lovato was on like joe rogan recently yeah. I, I i haven't I listened to that. that yeah i haven't listened to that either. Yeah, yeah but but like i wonder like because i think she's been a blue belt for quite a while now i wonder how much time she's actually putting into training or if like she's getting yeah. like you know the bullshit sort of treatment same with like um like i think it's really cool to see someone like jonah hill training yeah and then it's like again like i have the same question yeah yeah it's got to be legit but then so with kelly so um i know kelly we've tried to organize some training sessions just kind of hasn't really lined up like last yeah. time he was on the gold coast I've, um, I've heard he's like legit yeah he's like good. real legit yeah. yeah um but the problem is so i get it with kelly yeah he can't just go like i would have to set up a class for him yeah uh, or not a class a session i'd be like hey yeah. it's gonna be like me skinner shane you know like i'd, I'd pick my crew we're the same weight we're the same and you'd have to size. have a chat like no recording the session like yeah. no posting stuff like like maybe there can be a group photo at the end but like yeah yeah like no just like so to be a celebrity doing jujitsu it's like jonah hill can you imagine Jonah Hill just oh. going to like a normal class and yeah. having like some angry fucking purple belt just rip his face off? Oh yeah, exactly. Because you know that like guys are going to do that because they're going to be like, oh, well. dudes just do that to everybody. Dudes do that to chicks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know I mean? Like, I, oh, I like uh, like talking to like Jess Fraser. Like, you know, like she's like, um, like you know, like a really really high level like like black belt. But she says like she'll have like a seminar and some dude will like rock up and like oh. roll with her just to be like, see you know female black belt ain't shit like and just like try and like you know stomp like like just basically absolutely try and wreck Shit's up so fucking lame. it's just absolutely ridiculous but yeah like that's why it's really impressive to me see someone like tom hardy for example i think he's yeah. just gotten his blue belt recently but oh, like he's really? been training for years like like he's doing it like the legit way i think like to my understanding like he's like he's turning up he's just getting beat up wait google just google like celebrities that do jujitsu let's see if we're missing anyone crazy um henry cavill Henry Cavill Henry, is he an actor? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So he played Superman in um oh. in the the Man of Steel movie. I think he was in what was he in? He's one of the Mission Impossible. Keanu Impossible Reeves movie. as well. I've yep, seen. Keanu. I've 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 heard, I've heard he's legit. Jiu-jitsu martial arts dot com. Never been on this website. Fifty six famous celebs who do jujitsu. We're onto something here. If you got hyphens in your title, you're not a legit website. Sorry if you facts. <laughs> oh, actually, we're gypsy, gypsy hyphen tails. Oh well, sorry, Skinner. <laughs> I need to rethink everything now. Uh, all right, so we got Joe Rogan, Ed O'Neill, uh, Al Bundy. That's Al, right, Ed. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's belt. right. Uh, Demi Lovato, Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie, yeah, super so, legit. So yeah, so um, him, Henry Cavill, train at Hodges in uh in yeah, London. Yeah, in yeah, London. Like that's a legit school to train at. Uh, Ashton Kutcher is a fake brown belt. <laughs> unfortunate but it is what it is um tom hardy the english actor yeah uh he's often seen training with uh yeah yeah keanu reeves yeah margot rob that's an interesting oh, one dude maynard keenan from tool is a legit oh really belt. i'm pretty sure he's a coach too like he coaches at an academy um dude this list is dope uh margot robbie what does it say Took she spent that. three yeah. weeks oh yeah, that doesn't yeah. count so she's done the intro. Nicholas Cage, long time student under the legendary fighter Hoist Gracie. I haven't heard that before. Dude. Come on. He made that jujitsu movie. He can't, he, he can't be on that list. 
Jim Carrey is a brown belt under Hoist Gracie. That's pretty legit. Like that's a, fucking gnarly. Jim Carrey a brown belt. If you see like the setup, like they've got like over like the Valente Brothers School and stuff, like where they're doing all these gradings, like that's pretty hardcore what they do. Yeah, they're, they're, right. uh, they because they got a lot of like local cops and stuff that are like they're running the uh, the training sessions. Like to get like a brown belt over there, that's you gotta be tough. Yeah, dude. That yeah, respect. Jason Statham. Um, been training with Guy Ritchie that makes sense so he'd be legit if Jason Statham was doing jiu-jitsu with Guy Ritchie I'd legit say, I'd say so because I think Guy Ritchie's been a black belt for quite a long time yeah. like he, he was training like way back I believe yeah like, I listened to the first podcast he did with Rogan and they talked about he'd been doing jiu-jitsu for like 20 something years yeah and it was always like, um, under if uh, it, was it Ho- uh, was it Hoyce Hodger Hodger yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. like if you're tra- yeah, like if you're training like jujitsu way back when it wasn't cool, you you're probably legit. Yeah, dude, I wish I was a part of that movement. I mean, oh. at some point, like looking back in ten years, I'll be like, oh, dude, I did jujitsu when nobody did it. But to be a part of that OG yeah. crew would have been pretty sick. You wonder about all the guys that like started back then, and they kind of went, nah, this is lame. Let's do boxing or something. Like like boxing's cool, but like like boxing's had like like you know had its like um you know it's it's growth yeah while like you could have been a part of something that was like booming yeah like, it's well yeah. dude this is crazy i did a jiu-jitsu lesson in 2014 oh really yeah and i loved it i was living in america it was just around the corner from my house made on the gym the whole thing insane i was like fuck yeah i mean i'm doing this thing yeah. and then i was just chilling sitting with my arms back on the mat after the last roll this big dude gets up he was like 300 pounds gets up slips while he was getting up and his shoulder lands on my wrist breaks my wrist first time i ever did jiu-jitsu i broke my scaphoid which took like six months to heal uh no health insurance i never went back to jiu-jitsu until four years ago mate what are you what are you made of where you're getting all of these injuries yeah i mean that, that was just a shit one that one that's like I don't think I've broken any... Like, I've had some pretty serious injuries in jiu-jitsu. Like, I've had, like, surgery in both my knees, but I haven't, like, physically broken anything, I Yeah, believe. I feel like it'd be pretty rare to... I've broken my yeah. rib and... Or, like, cracked a rib. Yeah. Um, and that was completely my fault. But, yeah, I've been pretty lucky jiu-jitsu injury-wise. Yeah. I, I actually... it While we're on that, like, it's interesting, like, you know, we often talk about, like, you know, breaking an arm and things like that with, like, submissions and things. I think people really overestimate how hard it is to break something, like... In yeah, yeah. Like, like I often like teaching hooks, for example, and like some, like you know, I'm teaching and the person's like terrified because they think their knee's gonna like explode and they're gonna lose all four ligaments. I'm like, dude, I try and do that to people, and like that's tough. Like, like when I'm when <laughs> yeah. I'm trying, that's tough. Like, yeah. I'm not gonna do it by accident right here. Like, don't worry, you're yeah. you're okay. The um the heel hooks thing is interesting because yeah. so I'm in a gym that does not do any heel hooks ever. Yeah. Never gets trained, never gets taught, nothing. Uh, and that was fine because we're like an IBJF gym there's no we don't go outside of that rule set for the most part we've got people that do but at the core of our gym they're the competitions that get put on the whiteboard they're the competitions that will be supported like in terms of the academy everyone's showing up now there's fucking i was about to say like how is that how's that going now with it uh changing yeah no it's just it's just a a thing now and it's gonna be like what, what what do you think as a person that teaches heel hooks and has trained with heel hooks and is not you're not exactly like in a uh, you're not only doing IBJF, but what's your thoughts on that landscape now that that's changed? And there was no warning. It yeah. was just like, press release, y'all fucked. 
I, I think I think you know, like seeing how the rest of the sport was going. I think if you were expecting nothing yeah. to change, it's like it's it is a surprise. Yeah. I yeah. I I think that like they had to change at some stage. Like you you look at how like Nogi for the IBJJF is like it's nowhere near as popular as ADCC. Yeah. So like I think they just to stay competitive, they had to like I, yeah. I don't I don't think that's going to be the make or break difference with whether or not like well, I you think know, they're going to get more competitors for sure now because yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, I well, I hope so. Like, I, I think the rule sets, like, it's not... It wasn't the, the heel hooks that I think make the rule set so differently. Like, I think the way that scoring works in ADCC is really why you see so much chaos and excitement. Mm. Like, like Craig spoke about it recently, I think. I um, can't remember where he talked about it. But one of the big things, and this is why, like, we do... Like I mentioned before, we do training specifically for ADCC rules is because, of, like, the way scoring works is so radically different. Like, if I take you down in IBJJF, all I've got to do is get your hips to the floor. But if I want to take you down at ADCC, I have to fully pin you. Mm. Like, and there's a massive difference between me getting your yeah, butt oh, on the floor huge. and me getting your, yeah. your back on the floor. Like, yeah. like the difference there, the difference there is massive. And then, so, same thing with passing the guard. Like, if you're... If you don't have your back on the floor when I pass your guard ADCC, like... Like, I mean, they don't actually reward points for passing the guard, but, like, the point still stands. It's like, I have to have your back, like, on the floor. Like, at least... It's got to be a legitimate pin. I can't... It's not enough for me to just be past your legs. Mm. Like, you know, say, so. like, someone does... It takes, like, a body lock, for example, and they hop over the legs. Like, if I stabilize their IBGDF, even if you're sitting up, like, I can get my points. But, like, ADCC, I fully have to have you on the floor. Yeah, I've never thought of it like that. And so, it creates a lot more scrambles. Yeah. Like, because if, like, you get past my hips, it's like, I'm not... like You're just not accepting it because you're like, oh, well, I've the points are there i'll work from here yeah exactly like and so you're not going to take any risks like they cross a certain point you don't just suddenly open up and give them an arm yeah. but if you've still got like you know like the possibility of like you know framing creating space like even when they're fully past your guard that creates a lot of submission opportunities and that creates a lot more excitement i think like submission like like even if you don't really know what's like going on in like terms of position if you see someone like nearly getting their arm broken or someone trying to break someone's arm exactly like they understand that it's the same way like you know, fans watch like striking. They don't really know what's going on, but they understand someone's getting punched in the face. Mm-hmm. And so they, they can at least like empathize with that. And they go, that's the exciting bit. Yeah. A walk off knockout is just yeah. very easy to understand. Yeah, exactly. Like if you see someone just get punched in the face, lights out, but yeah. like, like they might not necessarily like appreciate, like, they might really not good appreciate head that there was stuff. like a feint that led to that. Exactly. Or like, you know, oh, that's the combination that that guy like did here. But then like this guy counted it nicely. Like, like, so, like He did yeah. that at the open workout, that same combination. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So so I think like if we can get more of that in jiu-jitsu, it'll be really good. So what do you think that the new rules will do locally though? Um, like at local competitions? I really don't think it changes too much, honestly. Mm. Um, like I, I think what actually... So, so this has been my big... Not gripe with IBJJF, but I think it's what really limited the nogi is the reaping rules. Like, I actually think nogi IBJJF nogi, if you took out heel hooks but kept reaping, is still like is equally as exciting. Mm. Like, I don't think it's the heel hooks that make it exciting. Like, I, I like I think like the reaping is really what limited it because it really takes away a lot of opportunities for like control and sweeping in IBJJF. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it's I, I feel like that's really the make or break. And Gordon difference. kind of exploited that. Yeah, exactly. Like. Yeah, like I think like when you can really start to understand the fine line, you can start introducing something like saddle. But now that you can reap, like it creates opportunity for like taking the back, for example. Like reaping is not inherently like a technique you do for leg locks. It's it's a movement to turn someone's leg. And when like, 
you'll see in like the UFC, for example, Paul Harris wants to set up a hill. The first thing he does is he's, he's reaping. Yeah. Not because the reap is like anything, like it, it does help with setting up a hill hook, but what it does is it turns his opponent away so that way they can't punch him. Mm. So then when you like talk about like, okay, if you had reaping but no heel hooks in with like IBJF, it's like now I can start using that to take your backs, turning you away from me. I can start coming up on single legs and double legs. Like, yeah, I think that's where like more of the opportunities open up and what would create more exciting matches. I think that the reaping things is weird in general because it's a poorly defined rule. But it's like okay, well, it's dangerous. But so if danger, but like let's say, yeah. it, like we're saying it's dangerous. Okay, like we're yeah. just agreeing well, with it let, being dangerous. Yep, that's sorry. fine. And it's like okay, so is a wrist lock. Yeah, exactly. Like what are it we doing? Fucking here? hurts and can break yeah, my wrist. Like, like my Kimura can break my arm. Like every single yeah. a knee bar break. It's my like knee. I, I hope it's dangerous. It's supposed to be like what we're doing is like controlled danger to like yeah. win a match. Like. Yeah, like reaping in itself isn't dangerous. There is ways to make reaping specifically dangerous in the way that people fear it, but that's hard to do. Mm. Like, and generally for me to do that, it actually requires a lot of control, which means that like the chance of injury actually goes down. Because you've got such good control. Yeah. Exactly. Like, um, I, I think like John Danaher's talked about this a lot and like you'll see like this is where like judo, the sport of judo changed as well as like taking away um, certain uncontrolled like techniques, like anything that's like jumping, yeah. Like, like, I don't have the, like you don't have the ability to change direction midair, and like so, yeah. so, so jumping techniques are quite dangerous. That's why like a scissor takedown is dangerous, but I don't think reaping it, like yeah, like I don't think reaping is dangerous because a scissor takedown it's is like, like a way more static position. Exactly. Like as soon as like my feet leave the floor, mm. I don't have much control. Like so, I'm just hoping that you don't turn in the wrong way and like break your own knee. Yeah, and then you think like jumping guard and stuff. The other thing oh, that you got to yeah. think is like you got no shoes on a mat. Like, you don't really yeah. know exactly how that person's going to hit. You don't, like, you yeah. might want to slide your foot backwards, my guess. Like, there's yeah. so many weird variables in that. And it happens so quickly as well. Like, there's just not a lot of room. Like, like, like there's this a very small margin for error. Like, we, we talked about Adam Jones before. Like, he's um he was, like, the guy that, like, the photo got shared around um, from one of the pan packs is, like, the foot completely broken. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know if you saw that photo. It was, like, a foot that was completely dislocated, like, from the shin. And I think, like, it got turned into, like, memes where people were like, oh, when you, st- when you don't tap to forks and stuff. But that was actually from a guy jumping close guard into Adam's shins, and it completely dislocated, like, snapped his foot from the bottom of the shin. Ugh. So I think, like, the foot dislocated and also the bottom of his shin broke as well. And so, like, like, and that's, like, the result of, like, jumping close guard. Like, I'm totally fine with that being, like, you know... Like Illegal. Ta- yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I... Th- Part of the problem I have with also those techniques is the fact that, like, you do something wrong and it hurts me. Yeah. Rather yeah. than, like, a lot of other things... Like, I feel like a lot of other things that can injure you, it's generally on me... Yeah. ...to, like, make, like, a silly mistake. Like, if you put me in a hill and, and I just, like... Spin. I spin the wrong way, yeah, like, yeah. and I just break my own leg. Like, that's on me. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm suffering my own consequences, but if you do something silly, it's going to hurt me. Like, I... So, I think that for multiple reasons, it's not a bad idea to do away with some of those techniques yeah but yeah then to say that like some one thing's dangerous and then you couldn't do it then it's like okay so let's define dangerous because it feels like everything we're doing here is dangerous like i've had i've legit had like nightmares of choking somebody in training and being in a weird position and then them you know you get into like some positions where like say you'll do like a, a collar choke from the back and then, but you're in turtle, your head's posted on the ground, you're staying super tight. You, you're like kind of just committed to that position. Yep. And then they could be like chilling there. 
the choke's not on, but or they could be asleep and yeah. dead. There's so even, it's like we're fucking we are playing a gnarly game in that oh, sense. Yeah, actually, it's funny. There was um, there's a particular guillotine variation. Uh, me and one of my teammates, uh, Tim Travail, were working on this. This was maybe like two years ago, um, and we were working out like a particular reaction. Like it's a you know like off like a guillotine, for example. Like they tell you you got to pass to one side. Like yeah. like you know if your head's on this side, you got to bring your body over to the other side when you pass. That way you can't get guillotined. We're playing with like a variation of a guillotine that, um, you know, even if they do that, you can still choke them. Yeah. And like it, it's uh, basically like a high risk guillotine where instead of like being over the throat, you're on both arteries on the neck there, so it comes on much. So quicker. you're like turning around to the side almost. Exactly. Yeah, like you yeah. punch through deeper, so it's much yeah. like, much more like a rear naked choke. So you got like a strangle rather than like a choke over the throat. Yeah. And so it comes on much quicker. And so and so we're also playing with a version of it where like if you pass to that side, you still get put out. Yeah. The problem is is when we we're drilling it, like Tim's drilling this on me, and I'm like, okay, like now I pass to that side, like so he can drill the technique. I went to sleep and I was uh, he was stuck underneath me. Yeah, see? Like like that's a terrifying moment. Like that was Fuck that's a yeah. recipe for the disaster. Like Yeah. Dude, and it doesn't take long. Like I had I had a, a, a situation like that happen at training where um I was choking somebody and then they were just underneath me stuck like in turtle position. Yeah. And then I luckily I let go and like checked and it was like you know, riders, you can't, you kind of let go. Riders, somebody's like kind of about to go, and it's yeah. Kind of, I was like, oh, dude. But if you're like, if you're not in that mindset of like really being cognizant of what you're doing, and you're yeah. like lost, red mist, like trying to fucking oh, get exactly. the sub, like you're just hanging on to that. You're not. There's no ref there. You're just in training, like, yeah. dude. It's not. Yeah, it's not super safe. Like, it, there's it, a lot yeah. of variables. It makes me wonder with like you know like um that that baseball bat choke people will do from bottom position where they basically they'll grab it from guard and turn fully belly that's down. That's the only. That's the only time I've ever been. That's like the closest I've ever been is somebody. Um, of doing that from top man it was yeah. gnarly I wonder about like that happening when like someone does that from bottom like someone that, like 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 if you did it to someone like a hundred kilos like a lot bigger than yourself like, and they fall on and you and they fall on you yeah. and you're stuck there like like yeah. you've like choked them out but like like yeah. they're on top of you and you can't let go like there's yeah. some nightmare situations that can happen, man, for real. I've legitimately, like, had fucking nightmares around it. I think this is an example of, like, we're talking about before, like, like celebrities bringing, like, uh, people into jiu-jitsu. <laughs> we're keeping people out. Exactly. Like, like we're, like, scaring people off. Like, someone might be listening to this, heard all the prior conversation and went, oh, like, yeah, jiu-jitsu sounds awesome. It's, oh, nah. God, I'm going to kill someone or get killed? <laughs> nah, never mind. I'm good. Out. But, uh, look, good thing is uh, most people do activities that could render them uh, decapitated on a daily yeah. basis. They yeah, could, true. Like, corona's a thing now. Yeah, exactly. It ain't safe being alive. No. And I'm probably going to take the benefits of jujitsu <laughs> in keeping me alive over the, over murdering me. That's true. But yeah, there is some like, there is some weird situations that you could get into. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. Jiu-jitsu is a weird sport, generally speaking. It is a weird sport. That is, <laughs> that is true. Um, so what do you, what do you make though of, um, so it's funny, like there's, I'm almost like a meme in our gym because of like the heel hook thing because I've gone and done like uh, Lockie's camps and shit like yep. that. Literally, Lockie could have been teaching clothes guard and I still would have gone to that camp. But I just wanted hooks. to do a 10-day jiu-jitsu camp. Like, let's just get fucking one thing clear. I don't care what the fuck he was teaching. I was going to Thailand for 10 days. So, I just got a bad rap. I've literally probably done fucking two heel hooks this entire year and maybe fucking 20 the year before that it's not a thing that i regularly do 
but that's the fucking meme in the gym. <laughs> but in in my head, like I'm actually not that worried about learning that yet. I feel like mm. I've still got so much shit to learn before oh, yeah. I even remotely invest in that game. So I, I, yeah. I think that on the one hand, there is the argument of... I think now a lot of gyms are going to start doing heel hooks a lot earlier. Yep. I'd say I'd probably start a purple belt for people that are in like yep. more standard Brazilian gyms. I, I think with like rolling with them, yeah, for sure. Mm, yeah, that's I, a good point. I, I think drilling heel hooks at white belt is fine. I, I like I think it's fine though to like you know like abstain from like rolling with heel hooks until purple belt abstain. level. Abstain. I love that fucking terminology. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll, I'll find no, a, I'll no, find no, a no, different that's, word. That's honestly perfect because cunts get horny over it. Oh, they they absolutely do. They like, and, and that's part of the problem is, is uh, they they're a good tool to use. I think if you really wanted to make sure you weren't hampering your own development in jiu-jitsu is if you want to use heel hooks, I'd focus on using them from bottom position. Mm. And um, I actually had this conversation with one of my students because they're like, well, how do I know when to like let go of a leg lock and go for something else? And I think like a good general rule is if like you're not That's actively... That's a pretty good question. Really. Yeah, exactly. Like, like how do you actually choose? Because you, it's like you, you sit there and go, well, I might have something here, but if I get up and try and pass the guard, I'm letting go of everything I might have and I'm trying to like hope that like me passing the guard, mm. I... And I, and I said to him, I think like a good general rule, at least in terms of making sure you have healthy development in jiu-jitsu is like if you're attacking something, be like say for example, like you, you sit for a leg lock from passing the guard and you're which not... Which you shouldn't do. Yeah, we... we well, Unless it, you're in a competition. It, it has its place. Like it <laughs> has, it's fucking annoying. It has its place. And when you get better at it, you start recognizing when you've got like a really clean opportunity to yeah, do that yeah. and when you don't. No, but, it's a valid technique. I'm being an idiot. <laughs> But like, 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 but a good general rule is like, because you don't know when that, like, you actually should go for it. Yeah. And so, like, and so one of the ways to first, first, like, you know, develop actually when, like, it is a good opportunity, and like, you know, also like, as a good rule, generally speaking, to know when to actually come back on top is if you're not making active progress towards mm. like an actual leg lock from that position. Like, maybe like you sat for it, and you're like trying to, like, maybe you're trying to do what you're attempting. If you're like, it's taking a couple of seconds, and you've made no progress at all, like, switch up what you're doing. Like, you know, it's. It, like as they say like insan- sense, insanity yeah. is like you know doing the same thing and like yeah. expecting a different result like if you're yeah. sitting there and like looking for like the like you're trying to do the same thing you're trying to dig the heel hook the same way you're making no progress give up yeah like either do something different or like just go back to passing the guard yeah like i think that's a good rule yeah no that that makes sense to me um the yeah i think that i i definitely see a lot of you know guys that are like white belts and blue belts and shit and yep. they'll just be like a, a literally obsessed with doing heel hooks because yeah. it is and i mean especially a heel hook on a guy that doesn't do heel hooks like you could go yeah any brown belt in a gym and if you drill a bunch of heel hooks and you're like yeah, exactly. a blue belt like you're probably going to be able to heel hook that dude yeah, exactly but if you took that out of the game like it, the narrower you make i think this is probably like my headspace around jujitsu is like what makes you good at yeah. jujitsu is like okay you just start taking away more and more things can you still compete yeah so let's say you take out like all leg locks how good are you at jiu-jitsu okay you take out now all uh all arm bars all it's only strangles that you can do okay how good are you at jiu-jitsu so i think that there's like such a big group of people that do get so obsessed with heel hooks and shit at like such a low level because it's high percentage you can catch higher level people but in terms of like if you did that where you played like strip back jiu-jitsu like you actually can't do shit yeah exactly like and exactly that like that's something i spent a lot of time on as well like for example like i've I've always competed ibjf like 
Like people, I, I keep getting that question. They're like, oh, IBJJF got IBJJF has heel hooks now. Are you going to start doing IBJJF competition? Like, like I've always done. This. I was like, I've always done it. Like I, I, I did Nogi Worlds. Like I, yeah, I, I, went, yeah. I went to, I've done Pan Packs. I've won my division at Pan Packs a couple of times. Like I, I've been doing it always. But one of the big things for me um, now, because I feel like most areas of my jiu-jitsu were well, you're a black belt. Filled out, yeah, like filled out to an area where I'm happy with it. Like where, like exactly that. If I got like in a competition they said you can't do heel hooks you can't yeah. do armbar something like that like i've got like an avenue to win every single way the only real one i'm making sure i'm working on now is uh the wrestling aspect if i was ever thrown in a competition where i had to wrestle i've, yeah. st- I've got some wrestling now but it's not at this the place that i'd like it to be where i'd be comfortable to actually like compete and just wrestle like, like and i yeah. have to wrestle from the start there's matches I have where like I'll wrestle at the start and if I feel like I'm not really making any breakthroughs yeah. with, like what I've got, I'm, I can still pull guard. Yeah. But I want to like make sure it's at a point where if I had to wrestle, I can. Yeah. Well, and that makes so much sense for you. Like you're a professional, like yeah. you're a professional at, at jujitsu. Exactly. And I want to make sure that I can also like teach wrestling as well. Like I, or at least like, even if it's not like, you know, like wrestling for someone that wants to do wrestling competition. But like jujitsu rest- specific. Exactly. Wrestling for jujitsu. Mm. like I'd, I'd like to be able to get to that that stage and that's almost like like exactly what we talked about before we talked about like different skill sets like teaching being its own skill set as well it's like there's yeah. what you can do and then there's like developing like a way to teach to other people yeah yeah no definitely it's funny uh, the so yeah everyone would be like oh skinner leg lock dude but it's yeah. like yeah that's the a game that gets taken into competition exactly but you're not seeing the Jeremy Skinner role in the gym and like you watch footage of Craig's roles it's like he's not leg locking people oh, yeah. constantly like that dude's taking people's backs from everywhere like exactly. there's just like this vast array of jiu-jitsu and that's what when I rolled with Levi everyone was like oh did you get burned bollowed and so I'm no, he like, probably played close guard I'm like dude he armbarred me from everywhere that there's <laughs> ever been a place to armbar somebody yeah. from and it's and they're like oh and it's like yeah well, you you see this like fine he's taking like a samurai sword into competitions yeah. and there's like an A game that he's playing it's the same with oh, you sure. it's the same with Lockie it's the same with Craig all these guys have that like legitimate A game that they're sort of going to and it's like a funnel they're trying to work to yeah, exactly. that's their path of least resistance I think like people almost confuse like A game like capital A with like a lowercase A like like they have, yeah. a, they have a game and then like that's it yeah, rather than yeah, having yeah, like you know yeah. an A game a B game like yes yeah, and and I think yeah, people like like people criticize the meows for that over the years. For example, where like when but I'm they're sure competing, if you rolled with them in the gym, oh, they go for everything. They do whatever. Yeah. yeah, like like for me, for example, when I roll in the gym, I rarely go for heel hooks. Like I'm I'm trying to do everything else. Yeah, no, it it makes sense. But I think that yeah, for you, you're you're seeing it as like a it's like a product of what you're there to do and like you're a professional competitor. But I think just for the average dude that just wants to spend so much time focusing on though you know that part of the sport it, I, I personally think it stunts people's it does. development and i could see it stunting people's it, development it stunts development like like it definitely does and it actually like i don't know if uh I was listening to your episode with Ari, but I, I haven't finished it yet. So I, I don't know if he ever talked about this, but he, um, him and I have talked about this as well with like, say for example, him with the Baron Bolo, like, and like this relates to what we're talking about before with like, you know, getting good at a skill set mm. and then like learning, like understanding how you learn that skill set so you can turn it into something else. Yeah. Like, like, you know, say for example, like Ari talked about the fact that um, he had some like, you know, uh, not as much success in competition as he deserved because he was going so deep on the Berambolos. That way, like, he could understand it so much more. And now, like, he's taken a step back from that and, like, he's now attacking a lot more things. But, like, 
you need to go super deep on certain things. Yeah. Like, so you understand what, like what it takes to get that last 5%. Yeah. And then it's the same with like, you know, like exactly what you're talking about, even like earlier development in jujitsu. Again, like you can go too deep to the point of like, like you know, um, spending like too much time on it, hampers your growth in other areas. But you, I, I think it's not a bad idea to do that in at least one area of jujitsu. Yeah. Like even if it's at like an early stage, I think at an early stage, you're probably better off to have like a general sense of jujitsu. But at some stage, I think it's healthy to like go deep on something. Yeah. Because like, again, like we talk about like, you know, high level competitors, like, um, like the best guys in the world have like at least one area that they've spent too, like what most people would say is like too, too much, much time, time on yeah, an area. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Like, like, so I, I, it's one of those things where it's like, I agree, like, in certain ways and it's also hard to give a clear answer on something Mm. like that because there's reasons why you should work on everything but at the same time there's also reasons why you should probably also only work on one thing yeah because you can't become the like i mean maybe like gordon ryan's aiming for that but you i'd I'd say for most people you can't become the best in the world at every single skill set within the sport yeah exactly and so like and but you want to actually make sure you have a a certain skill set that can overcome someone else's like you know special skill set yeah yeah so like like if you think of it as like you're looking at like you know um you know like numbers on like a character sheet for like a video game or something like that like yeah you need you need to have like that attack level that like gets over like their defense level or something like that like like you need to have like at least one area that's like that yeah even if it's the at the detriment of something else yeah yeah that makes sense and the other thing too while you're saying that i started thinking i went through like triangles would be the first thing that like that was my first thing where i was like i just real good at triangles yeah but then there was a point where I'm like, I'm not doing any triangles anywhere now except for in competition. And then what oh, yeah. what that come down to was just the fact that everyone I rolled with was like, oh yeah, he can do triangles. So yeah. then it, that forced... So then I started doing foot locks. Yep. Completely different part of the game. And then... I think uh, that's a good combination. Yeah. And then everyone was like, oh, you're doing heaps of foot, um, foot locks. I'm like, well, I can't do triangles. Like there's... like Everyone shuts it down. Yeah. Like I can't yeah. do them now. No one's letting me do it. And then it's like, yeah, well, you should, um, like, you want to get better to where, like, you can do it no matter what. But there's only a certain, like, you can only attack a certain part of the body and, that's, like, made yeah, available to you, you know? And, and that kind of goes back to what we're talking as well about, like, learning and things. Yeah, like, you which, need to take a break from yeah, it, then you can yeah. come back to it later. But I think that, it, yeah, that made sense that, you know, I did get proficient in an area yep. that then opened up a new Absolutely. subset because that was not really on the menu anymore and then you've got to figure yeah. out like okay so this is not there what is now available like if, yeah. if people aren't presenting this what is being presented and then again you just go like path of least resistance well like okay so this is here now absolutely and and i think the big problem i see with new students is like them doing that and i think it's okay the problem is is that they might be picking areas that have no semblance like like to what you see yeah. in like championship level jujitsu for example like the big one that that happens is and I'm gonna piss off some Tenth Planet guys, but like you Rubber don't, you, well, not even not even rubber guard. Like close guard works, but like like lockdown half guard. Yeah. You don't like you do see rubber like you do see some amounts of rubber guard at a really high level. Um, I don't think you see like heaps of it, but you don't see any lockdown at a high level. No, nah. like you actually don't even see that at purple belt level. Yeah, like like but you you like everyone knows the blue belt at their gym that's like got like a really good lockdown game, but it's like. <laughs> But, like, it, it sort of stops there. Yeah. Like, and I think, like, it, as long as people are looking to what's working at a high level in jiu-jitsu, um, it's hard to go wrong. That's why, like, personally, like, we're talking about, like, you know, having, like, you know, like, learning, like, like you know, getting introduced to jiu-jitsu. I actually think it's a good idea to look at what's happening at a high level. Mm. Like, for example, when I'm teaching white belts, like, I don't teach the Americana. 
Like, or at least not the Americana in the classic sense that we see. Yeah. Like, like you'll see like Gordon Ryan's like Americana from the triangle. Like, but that's a, that's like almost like a totally different that's submission. That's a different thing, yeah. But in terms of the Americana that we see from Mount, I don't teach that. I teach yeah. the arm triangle because the arm triangle is a strong submission to go for from Mount, but you also see it successful at a high level. Like I, yeah. I think what you want to be doing at an early stage is just getting introduced to high level techniques. You don't have to be learning the Barambolo. But you should be looking at techniques that do actually have success at a high level. What are the most high percentage techniques in your mind? The rear naked chokes, number one. Yeah. Um, I'd so if we wanted to go off the stats, um, I'd say like you're looking at like rear naked choke, you're looking at the triangle, you're looking at the armbar. Um, Kimura's up there. Um, it's it's up there in terms of being like an effective I was breaking say, submission, like a, and it's more of a grip too. That it's can a str- lead to every like a lot of other things. Exactly, and but it, it's certainly up there as being like a submission that's got like a really strong capacity to like break the joint that it targets. I think like there's other submissions that might be like more successful, but don't necessarily like cause like have like, have, like a devastating effect. Mm. I think straight straight ankle locks up there, guillotines. Um, yeah, like like anything that would be considered like, you know, like almost like mundane jujitsu. It's like there's a reason. Yeah. There's a reason why it's mundane. It's it it works. And it's worked for so long. And that's why I think when people carry on about like fundamentals, they're sort of talking about it in the wrong way. Where they're like, you know, fundamentals are important. I I think like those submissions are fundamental, but you can get very very advanced with them. Mm. So I think fundamental doesn't have to mean basic. But it has yeah. to be. It has to be sort of like the root of the rest of your jujitsu. Yeah. So Levi, when I was with Levi, he gave me a couple of what I would call fundamental, like ground floor tips. Yeah. Where I yeah. was just like, I wish I have known this for the last four years. Yeah. Like this would have made my life different in yeah. jujitsu. And it was just the smallest, most easy to digest information. And it's like, okay, I would never look past that as just fundamentals. You know, yeah. like there is a set of fundamental rules and laws of jiu-jitsu that yeah. you should spend your entire career on. Yeah, exactly. And like that doesn't mean that they have to be basic or like they're not effective outside of white belt. It just means like it's a foundation like for the rest of your jiu-jitsu. Um, that, and, that is like the stereotype, I think. Like, yeah. oh, whatever you learn in the fundamentals class, you kind of dump that as soon as you get into advanced. Exactly. Whereas, yeah, I think that, yeah, fundamentals, there's a yeah like a set of fundamental techniques yeah. that you should work on forever. And that's exactly like my aim as a coach. Like we're talking about like, you know, um, like, like emergent sort of skill sets, like, like that a beginner might have with like, you know, say for example, your triangle. Mm. Like I, I, I think like, you know, like say for example, like the triangle is like fundamental. And when you're a white belt, your triangle is probably like at like a basic level, but like you can still like use like the triangle, like that you learned then all the way to a high level and you can like adapt it and like, you know, add on to it. Mm. but then i think there's like certain areas that like you know um, there's like a bit depth yeah like how i would describe it would be like a just a bit depth of an image like you could have a a, an 8 bit 16 bit 32 bit and you could just keep increasing the amount of pixels like essentially you're looking at the same smiley face or love heart or whatever it is but there's the first version that you start with is like just this version that is like only just visible as yeah. a love heart and then it just gets layered and more textured and more detailed yeah. and you constantly adding pixels which adds clarity exactly so you, like you're able to smooth it out then maybe you're even even able to add like you know like a like a greater color range things yeah. like that like absolutely 
but like overall it's still like like but it's the same it's the same image it's the yeah. same thing yeah. as opposed to like like i think as, as we're talking about with like lockdown for example like like sure you can get it to a certain <laughs> level at a certain stage yeah but like it i feel like you just have to do away with it pretty quickly yeah like yeah. i i think so if you spent more time say for example like another example of a a classically taught half guard is say underhook half guard you don't see that as successful at a high level mm. what, what half like, but half guard is still a fa- uh, like a fundamental position and a fundamental variation of half guard that you see successful still to a high level is knee shield. Yeah. Like either playing like the low knee shield at the hip, like the Z guard variations, like like a, like playing off like a high knee at the shoulder. Yeah. That's something you can learn at white belt level and like you could use that for the rest of your career. Yeah. Like and like, like so I think like, you know, like teaching to like with those sort of things in mind is really, really important to make sure like you have like students that uh, actually like to go back like with what we're talking about, you know, uh, like, you know, fundamentals being treated as like basics the problem with it being treated that way is that it's an inefficient use of time because then the problem that you see arise is the fact that i've now got to teach you something and tell you that oh yeah this is fundamentals and really what i mean is it's shit outside of white belt yeah and then at some stage you have to unlearn that technique and then learn something new rather than in like if you can just start learning new information all the time and not have to unlearn things because like you know say for example i teach you an americana six months from now i say yeah you got to stop using the americana it doesn't work it's like why did you look at me and you go why did you teach that to me in the first place yeah yeah. like like if you knew it was going to be shit in six months why would you teach it to me so like like now you've got to like break through like that habit of going for an americana from mount yeah and like start trying to go for other things and you definitely have to break the habit of going for it while you're in close guard exactly exactly (laughs) exactly so so like if if i start teaching you arm triangle from mount straight away like okay your arm triangle is not kind of don't really have to go away from that ever exactly like like maybe you don't have like a black belt level arm triangle but if your intuition is to like go for that every single time you're in mount that's a strong start it's the same way like you know people recognize like rear naked chokes that it's like a great submission to learn a white belt and it's a great submission to learn a black belt and like you never do away with that so I, so i think like what we hopefully will see in jujitsu is deviating away from what's classically been shown as fundamentals and like we start getting a little bit better at it mm. um and i think as well I like with, that yeah like meant that uh just the distinction that you've created around that because yeah i think that my probably my idea of fundamentals was yeah this is the shit that you end up ditching yeah and then you don't really pay attention to it at all yeah so i think you're right about that exactly like the same way for example like um and and i think this is like reasonable as like you know like heel hooks isn't like fundamentals Mm. but i think like you know like there is a certain level of heel hook defense and offense that is fundamental like like is Mm. sort of like a like a foundational skill like sorry i'll be more clear on that like i don't think heel hooks are basic but like I think like maybe like heel hook defense can be like fundamental and like it's an important skill set to have at some stage. So I think like you can start learning about heel hooks without having to become a heel hook master. Yeah, like, and like, I think that there's probably concepts within it like yeah. holding a knee line. Yeah, exactly. Because that's going to be applicable to basically like any leg leg entanglement ever. Actually, I'd even go so far as to say it's applicable to joint locks. Mm. Um, like so, if we want to start talking about like like you know arm bars for example like i need to have your elbow like past my hips at a certain point like i need to be controlling like the uh like the the major joint like where like that limb like connects with your torso for example like i need control over your hips in some capacity actually i'd even go so far as to say that to have a strong finish i need your hips on the floor for a heel hook the same way i need your shoulders on the floor for an arm bar Mm. like a good general principle is is like if your hips come off the floor for a heel hook i have significantly less breaking potential same way if i want to finish an arm bar arm bar from close guard is good 
it's even better when I can go from closed guard armbar and put you on your back. Yes. Like, so, so like you can actually take a lot of these principles and apply them to joint locks, generally speaking. Mm. Like it, it, yeah. Like, so, so you can like, like you, it still follows like a lot of uh, like fundamental principles, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's real. Yeah. I like that. That's a cool break. <laughs> no, that's a cool breakdown. Like I'm just in my head like, yep, yep. Everything he's saying checks and, out. And, and I've never and, thought of any of it. And that's kind of goes into what I what I meant before with like we're seeing like an evolution in jujitsu, where we're we're starting to understand more about what's going on in the like in the actual grappling art, and and how we can actually turn that into a proper coaching program. Where like mm. I, I think we're going to start seeing more teams. Like that, that's what I mean. Like overall, like at least that's my perspective is like looking at where the sport's shifting towards. Yeah, is we're just getting an overall greater grasp on what's going on in the sport. Yeah, and able to like you know start being able to like simply simplify things in that sort of way and still stay accurate yeah whereas before like you know we can simplify things but it's not quite accurate because we don't have enough information to sort of like follow what the common threads are between a lot of these things mm. yeah and, and so like yeah that, that's what i mean when i say like this is where i think like the sort of the sport is going yeah and and you are right like you kind of can uh, you're only as good as the team that you're with essentially exactly like you're 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 only as good as not only the coaching that you receive yeah that coaching is then dependent on the partners that you train with to implement that coaching absolutely like for example like myself like i was trading in newcastle and um like like i, I had a frank conversation with luke where i was just said, like hey like i want to take jiu-jitsu seriously um you know uh, i'm thinking about like like you know moving down to melbourne and training with lachlan and like luke's like absolutely go for it and then like similar as well like listening to like both ari and levi talk about like their journey coming up it's like you've got to seek out like that that sort of capacity to have like the training you want yeah like you can start to create it for yourself but it can be difficult if like limiting exactly like especially if the environment's like a certain way maybe the people around you don't have those aspirations like you want to sort of surround yourself with people that are working towards the same goals so that way, like, you can, like, just make those adjustments needed. What was it like when you moved to Melbourne? Um, it was good. I knew I was, what I was in for. Um, so, Mikhail had originally invited me to come down and just, like, train for a week. Like, he just, like, yeah, like, just crash on my couch or whatever. And so, like, I visited, like, for about a week. And I used to, I did a couple of trips after that across a year, like, periodically visiting. First time I visited, um, I think Craig had just gotten his black belt and he was about to be on EBI for the first time. And oh, wow. So so this is actually, um, I, I think most people that, that know Craig don't actually realize he was on EBI before he had the ADCC run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like most people, they go like, oh yeah, like that time he fought Gordon. It's like, no, 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 there was yeah, an EBI was before EBI that. that he did before. Yeah, I think opening round, he Is had... Is that him, when he hooked everyone like instantly or was that the Craig that, run? So that, that's the, that, yeah, that's the one he had against uh, where he went to Gordon Ryan in the final. So, yeah, so he okay. had a time before that... Um, he uh he opening round he hooked Nathan Orchard and then the second match he had a match against uh, Dara O'Connell um uh, an Irish competitor um and that was where they had like a funny restart where Craig um had him in the armbar fully extended and Eddie just called stop because he thought Dara tapped oh, but then yeah. they restart and then Craig heel hooked him and then I think Craig fought um I think Gordon was actually in this tournament as well but um he didn't actually go against Gordon. He went against Wagner Hosher in the semifinals yeah, and, and lost right. in overtime. Yep, yep, yep. I do remember yeah, that. Yeah, so so this was like, I trained with Craig like just as he was getting ready for that. I think he was like competing on that in like two weeks. And so like, I had never been exposed to to a training environment for like a professional sort of like, you know, like a pro training camp essentially yeah, for like these yeah. sort of events. Like yeah. I was from Newcastle. There was like not really anyone like that was competing internationally there. We had one of our guys, um, uh, Dicko, he, um, he was doing, I think he was like, you know, uh, getting ready to do gi worlds but like like that like the idea of like one of our guys like going and doing gi like you know doing the world championships like that was like crazy yeah 
But then like, you know, we're talking about like going down to Melbourne and like seeing a training environment where like everyone's getting ready to do that. And so like that was a massive eye opener for me because like this is the first time I'd really seen like people doing like 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 really dedicated positional training. We'd, we'd done some, but like not to like, you know, it wasn't anywhere near as important um, mm. and like a critical part of the training session as it was down in Melbourne at Absolute. So that was really interesting to see. And I remember rolling with Lachlan and just getting absolutely demolished. Really? Like with like embarrassing stuff. Like Lachlan isn't normally the one to try and get you the humiliating techniques, but yeah. he had um had this one technique. What was it called? Like Statue of Liberty or something like that, where like he basically tries to twist you from top half guard. Oh, no. And he did that to me twice. And I was like, this is like, what is going on? And that was one of those things where I think it was like that first training session. And I was like, I have to come back here. Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, straight away I knew like, okay, this is the place I've got to be. This was before, like I wasn't thinking about moving down to Melbourne at any stage. Um, But like that just like straight away, I'm like, I've got to do it. Mm. And so I'd visited a couple of times since then. But I remember, um, I remember like just like I was a month out from moving down to Melbourne properly. Like I'd trained there a couple of times and ADCC 2017 was happening. I watched Craig submit Leandro Lowe and I thought, I'm never going to see Craig again. Like yeah. I was just about to move down and lo and behold, like Craig was just off traveling, doing his seminars for months and months on end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, that, that, that was what, that's the, one of the crazy things about jiu-jitsu is that just one submission over one dude can completely oh, change your life. Yeah. And like, look at Lockie, man. What he oh, did yeah. at ADCC changes life, changes he kids' didn't life, even, changes wife's life. Yeah. Didn't, didn't even win. Didn't even win. No. He, he lost he lost in the semifinals and like what does everyone remember from that year not the fact that he lost to Lucas Lepre first round of his weight division not the fact that he like Gordon Ryan double gold and I think uh yeah I think Gordon nearly submitted everyone did he submit everyone in his weight division I think Gordon submitted everyone in his weight division too mm. yeah he didn't yeah. he just didn't submit Bushesha right yeah and that was in the open weight of yeah. uh, the absolute yeah. so so he submitted Everyone in his weight division, which I think has only ever happened like three times. No in one talked about it. No one cares. <laughs> no one gives a fuck. Everyone's no one gives a like, shit. Lockie. Lockie, Lockie Hill, three guys, like three giant three guys. And that, that's what matters. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is pretty <laughs> insane. Do you remember Do you remember when you rolled with Craig the first time? Um, I remember doing back control positional training with him. And it's funny because uh, his Wagner Hosha match that he had, um, I think it was last year, where he, um, he re-naked choked uh, Wagner Hosha in submission underground in overtime. So, so there was a submission that Craig's work was working on in the training camp that I was there for, and he got me on, got me with it a few times. Basically, what he does when he's on someone's back, he's got his he's got his seatbelt, and basically locks a full figure four around your head and arm, like from the seatbelt, and he's trying to basically arm triangle from the back. Really, but, but the idea is to get you to open up. So, like you're, you you've got him on your back, you've got the arm crossed over. and he's forcing you to open up so you don't get strangled, and then he shoots right around your neck. Yeah, yeah. And he was also working um. I remember there was like a back control escape. He was working through like all of that camp, like like leading up to it. And I think uh, he was trying to do it against Wagner, but like I think it relied on like people not wanting to let you get like um, the body triangle, like like the where the side that locks like down yeah, on the floor. Yeah. And so it was relying on that. And Wagner just did not care. Like yeah, he, he was right. happy like to either let his ankles break or whatever. Like if it got got into that position. That's so I, I remember a lot about like the lead up to that. It just like stood out to me a lot, quite a fair bit. It must have been a pretty cool experience for yeah. you, like just to get in there and just like immerse yourself in the culture. Oh, absolutely! It was a really cool experience. Like, I, yeah, I just it's funny like like the people I met on that trip and just like how much of an impact they've had like on my journey at the time. Like I think like um, Ben Hodge, for example, like mm. he 
he just got had like a really serious staph infection like where like it was like actually eating away like the inside of his armpit he'd just come back from that and he was just getting into training i remember rolling with him um there's uh james tomlinson as well who runs uh bulletproof for bjj um like like jt uh he like yeah so like he's like had a massive influence on me as well still like a major part of my jiu-jitsu journey so like it's just yeah it's it's interesting to reflect on like uh the imp like the impact that people yeah. can have on your lives and like not knowing how much of an impact they can have and and what about your jiu-jitsu like what oh, was it like to could you just watch yourself improve out of sight oh yeah absolutely like it just totally changed everything like even just like seeing the way that they were meant like they were training i'm like oh mm. that's the way i'm meant to train like yeah. not what i was doing where like i rock up i, I just drill a little bit and then like you know i just go and roll like like they they've got really dedicated training like you know when it came to like yeah. you know oh like we're doing drilling now and like it's one of those things where a lot of the times with the pro sessions what we do is we do the first half an hour you just drill what like whatever you're working on i'm like i'm not I, working on anything i'm not working on anything i yeah. i'm like I'm, I'm doing hooks and whatever luke showed in class yeah yeah like like so that was like a very new experience for me where it was like i was working on like leg locks at the time but it was, it was almost like you were just in high school and then you went to harvard or something it was like i went to like primary school and then went to harvard like in terms of just the difference <laughs> in terms of like 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 dedicated styles yeah. of training like like luke's fantastic like in terms of everything he like has going on at the gym but like he, his focus just isn't competition jiu-jitsu yeah like he's very much self-defense focused and that's why for me yeah, i think it was such an academy and, exactly yeah and so i think like the fact that his focus is self-defense is why there was such a big leap like it's not the fact that like uh he like he's, he's jim's like fantastic for exactly what he wants to work on but like it's the same way like you know like just if you're training at a place where their focus is different like you like to to your own like it's yeah yeah something needs to change yeah like that's why like i still go back there like train all the time with luke because like he's just he's a great coach has fantastic insights like i'm I'm trying to bounce ideas off him all the time about like different perspectives about how to run like a fundamentals training program because he's just got such amazing insights yeah and, and you want to talk about like an aggregation of data like he would have he's, so exactly. much data he's over just, so many years exactly he's got such an amazing perspective on how to teach people like jujitsu and like the like but it's just like a different style of jujitsu that he's focusing on yeah and so like he's just such an amazing resource resource as like a coach like even if like you know like he's not focusing on competition jiu-jitsu he's still watching everything yeah like it's like and that's kind of why i mentioned before like he's a martial arts nerd he's watching all the ufcs he's watching all of jiu-jitsu even though it's not his primary focus he still just wants to absorb all of it kind of like as if like self-defense jiu-jitsu is his focus and like the competition competition jiu-jitsu is a bit of a hobby for him in that way yeah 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 you know yeah, what i mean yeah but then to go to melbourne it's like the objective of that crew is just so different exactly and, and, it, and it was very aligned with like where you wanted to go exactly and that's why like when like i had that conversation with luke where i said like oh this is where i want to take my jiu-jitsu and this is what i'm thinking of doing he's like absolutely go for it because mm. like he, he like he, he he totally understands the fact that like there's just different focuses like and, and different like approaches to training like depending on what you want to do but so it was a quick pretty quick like, decision uh, but the progress that you made though oh, when yeah. you got there like it was just bang you were improving instantly absolutely like um like we, we talked about a little bit before with learning one of the, the things that it did was it really helped me like even if i knew what i sort of wanted to do from a position it made it allowed me um to really clearly define what i want my jiu-jitsu to be and like like what each like sort of 
um, step of jujitsu, like, like say for example, like what I want to do from half guard, like I've got a very clear idea of exactly what I'm looking for every time. While before it might've been a little bit vague. Like I know I want to mm. go for a Kimura. I know I want to go for a leg lock. Yeah. I know there's a triangle set up, yeah. but this gave me an opportunity to really clearly define where those opportunities are and how to create them. Yeah. Okay. And like, it really just overall lets you define your jujitsu a lot more clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, because I'd feel like, yeah, so let's if I'm in half guard, no gi, like I can kind of wrap, I got in my head what I'd do, where I'd be, I would not say I'm like an expert in any of those, yeah. you know what I mean? I don't have reactions on reactions on reactions. Exactly. I've got reactions, but you know, once you spend the more time in those positions, you've got reaction, 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 reaction. Exactly. And like you're in a position where you can actually map that out. Like like before we were talking about like principles, for example, like yeah. you're in a position where I can- Yeah, like, I don't have any of those. Exactly. Like like that's the reason why like I understand, for example, head in front of hips means I'm attacking the upper body, head over hips is attacking the legs. Mm. It just puts you in a position where you can work those things out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what does it mean then to get your black belt in jiu-jitsu after- this how long has your total career been um, pretty much dead on 10 years 10 years yeah what, what was it like to get that because it was last weekend right oh uh, the weekend, weekend before. before yeah yeah so so fresh fresh black belt of two weeks yeah what what was the what was the meaning that came from that and was it different to what you thought is it something that you'd built up it, it's certainly something i'd built up like it, it certainly means a lot to me um I'm really fortunate that I actually had one of my teammates there, Dan Schwart, uh, Dan Schwart get his black belt as well, because Dan was quite tearful. Um, and and I I feel like Dan did a fantastic job of like sort of expressing what I felt, like mm. like 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 I like I wasn't I, I knew I wasn't gonna tear up, but him actually tearing up made me tear up a little. Like like he well, actually he didn't tear up. He he like he he cried, but like it made me tear up and I was like, okay, like that's, that's exactly what I'm feeling is what he's projecting. Yeah. But he just did a better job of showing it because like, I, I think it's something where even if you're quite cynical about jujitsu, like maybe like, oh yeah, I'm just sort of training jujitsu. It's like, if you spend that much like time of your life, like working on one thing, it, it has to mean a lot at some stage. Yeah. Like it's a, 10 years of anything just is like really important to you. Yeah. And it's a, there's just this weird undercurrent yeah. that counts for so much yeah. that you just can't see. Absolutely. And like, so even my, my best friends, one of my coaches, Shane, he got his black belt at the end of last year and I was fucking tearing up. Oh, like absolutely. I was just like, I was so happy and you know, like I'd, I'd only been around for four of the nine years that yep. he's on, you know, doing it. But four years is a long time of training too. Yeah, true. Like, yeah. But, but, you know, like to, to have the level of emotion that yeah. I'd had and like only been there for a fraction of the journey that he'd been on. So there is like a weird undercurrent um, yeah. of that because it's a symbol. It's, it, it's just a concept in itself. Here's it a black belt that you get for this. Exactly. But it, there is something pretty deep in that. Exactly. Like it's 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 interesting because like, you know, a black belt's not meant to be a signal that you've completed jujitsu, but it's it, like it's, it's still mm. like a really powerful symbol. I, I'm still like at least for myself trying to work out exactly what a what should define like a, a black belt mm. like whether or not like it's you know you've got a like you've got a fundamental understanding of the basics like I know Lachlan um his focus for a black belt it's it's not necessarily like a like a definition you could apply to everyone I think like that's quite hard to do mm. like in terms of like you know say for example like if you became like a black belt coach like you couldn't follow Lockie's definition necessarily cuz like Lachlan's definition is he looks at like where people um, are at now and where he was at when he got his black belt and how they compare to that. Mm, that's like, interesting. Like, 
and and like so that's like obviously like a very personal definition for Lachlan yeah um which to me actually means makes the black belt also worth more because like then it sort of means like I've got a personal connection to my black belt as well as he's got a connection to it as well which I, I think yeah. is like an, like it's, it's an interesting symbolic relationship there which I think is quite cool yeah like yeah, I never thought of that. Yeah, like like based on his definition, I like I think it's like really interesting, and it just made it a lot more meaningful. Like I think, um, you know, every black belt, like I mean, I'm sure most people get like you know like like some kind words from their coach, like when they get graded. Um, and I think like it's because like black belts are so much rarer in jujitsu, you really mm. get to get like quite a an interesting perspective from your own coach, where they start talking about your jujitsu and like like sort of like your journey, and like it's it's quite emotional hearing about it from a different person yeah like you like you have an idea of like what you've been doing in jiu-jitsu but like yeah, yeah to hear to it from hear someone it from else like party exactly and hear it from someone that like has been so influential to your own journey yeah it, it's i'm not i feel like i'm not very good with like putting like emotion like anything emotional into words but uh it, it certainly was like an emotional experience for me yeah and did it mean what you thought it would mean or was it more or less fulfilling in a way because you're right like you get your black belt and then you fucking roll again it's just the same same shit like you're still the exact same person that you were when the belt was put on you but there's definitely meaning that is attached to it i i think it's um like you're absolutely correct because like really what it is is it's it's a plot on a trajectory essentially like and so even though like maybe you're not a different person like the day before or the day after it's a symbol that you're a different person to what you were two years ago so like if you think about and i think like when you get to black belt because you've been training for so long typically you do have the perspective to think about it like that rather than maybe like blue belt for example i was really excited to get my blue belt and i did think like oh suddenly like i'm better at jujitsu yeah but like like because like i've been training so much longer now like like i know that it's meant to be a symbol of like the trajectory of your journey yeah would you would you uh perfect well you keep belts or you ditch belts in jiu-jitsu um i think they have their value even right now i think there needs to be almost like a shift in definition of like what the belts are meant to be for like you look at something like judo where they have like a much clearer definition of the belts i still think belts are useful though like i think within a gym yeah like 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 and this is like talking about like in like as you said like perfect world where like we all like trained and like or like everyone like you know that started at a gym stays at that gym yeah you have like as long as the coach has a clear definition like the belts do mean something within the gym i think like you know cross-continental they they don't have the same sort of weight yeah um like you know like for example myself like my match uh this weekend like i'm going against a brown belt i'm a black belt but like when i was a brown belt i was competing against black belts when i was a blue belt i was competing against black belts like I think when it comes to competition, like, yeah, like it's, it's a bit of a different sort of, uh, like it, it's quite different there. I'd, I'd like to see for jiu-jitsu actually almost like the wrestling approach where you qualify for certain divisions. Mm. Like, you know, you could be like a division one competitor, a division two competitor, so on and so forth. Yeah. That just opens up the fucking sandbagging thing so much though. Yeah. But I guess you kind of can do that in belts too. Yeah, exactly. Like it definitely happens with belts. That's why I feel like a lot of the time as well, like, it's hard to really like like people often talk about this with like world championships and stuff like it's almost a joke in a way the idea of having like blue belt world champion like like it's still important because it doesn't mean that they're not good Mm. but like it's it's weird to say like someone's a blue belt world champion when there's a (laughs) when there's a purple belt world champion and then then there's a brown belt world champion and then there's a black belt world champion (laughs) because like like being a brown belt world champion even though it is so close to black belt 
to be a black belt world champion doesn't just mean that you have to beat like all the other black belts within that two-year slot around you. You've also got to beat all the other black belts that have been around for 10 years that are still competing. Yeah, yeah. Like brown belt, you've got like that two-year slice where you're competing against like the other brown belts around that area. You're not competing against every other brown belt that's ever been. You're competing against the ones that are competing at that stage. That's so true. So like I really feel like over like the belts with competition, like the definitions of being a different, like a world champion really, really shift. Like for example, like my understanding like based on like especially like when levi is talking about as well like world championships being really good at white belt almost comes down to just who's training more yeah 100 percent. like like blue belt's a different story but then like over time when you get to black belt the definitions of being a world champion and like the definitions are totally different yeah like you are the best in the world exactly like when you start looking at brown belt for example it starts to be more about like like less about like you know like uh, it, it's more about like how you've plotted your skill sets over time. Mm. Blue belt's more about like how good are you at one really specific area. Like like so the definitions across the different world championships are, are quite interesting. And then like you know black belt is like just a whole other level. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like two separate careers. Yeah, exactly. Like actually, you'll even see. I think Gordon Ryan talked about that with his brother Nicky Ryan, where like Nicky's a black belt now, but um he was talking about the fact that you know you shouldn't really count any matches you've had up until you're competing at black belt. Mm. like you should treat them as two totally different careers almost it's, like amateur it's like an apprenticeship and a, exactly yeah exactly that like a like amateur pro exactly so yeah it, it, so i'd be really interested to see like how like belt definitions change in jiu-jitsu yeah i think that's going to be tough though because they're quite established in the sport we need like an organization to come along that's going to create clear definitions mm. and then ones that people actually agree with and then also like see if like you know if that definition of belts actually applies to competition or if we need to redefine how we uh your organized competition yeah. and then like just the subset of people that compete in jiu-jitsu exactly. compared to just people who do jiu-jitsu in general exactly it's like a totally different uh deal again yeah like jiu-jitsu is an interesting martial art in the fact that the sport itself actually isn't based around competition mm. like it's it's quite a consumer level sport where like you have a lot of hobbyists but you look at something like judo anything like wrestling just anything like that yeah it's basically, like mainly competitive like yeah. you get into it to be competitive kind of exactly like they're state sponsored because they're all olympic sports jiu-jitsu isn't it's quite commercial well, did jiu-jitsu not just get announced for the did no, I, no 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 you, like got April, April you got a, you got okay, Ford, yeah. i was like was that april fools just let me yeah. check yeah I, yeah I think if you read into it it was yeah there was a bunch of yeah i feel like more probably, overt jokes yeah, like the headline okay. itself was quite was was good but yeah i just saw the thing and did the scroll <laughs> And I was like, I was like, I feel like this was right around April 1st. It's the downside of being in Australia. April 2nd, we're still getting the April 1st That's jokes. probably what it was. That's probably what it was. Um, it's crazy that jiu-jitsu is not in the Olympics. So, so my understanding for criteria for an Olympic sport is it needs to like have less of like a, um, a dominant country for the sport, as well as I think they need to have a non-profit organization um, like, like heading the sport. <laughs> So like IBJF is, is so far removed from being non-profit. That it's a joke. Fucking funny. I, I looked up the other day, like I just got like, like I was like, okay, cool. Like, like if I want to be able to get my degrees on my black belt, like I should probably register with the IBJF because otherwise they don't recognize it. Then like you can't have students that can like sign up for the IBJF if you don't get recognized from them. And I'm like, okay, well, what does it take to get signed up with the IBJF as a black Cash. belt? It's like 400 US dollars. And I'm like, fuck all that. All right, I'll do it in a few weeks. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like I'll... I'll I'll you know scrounge up some pocket money. Yeah, fuck it, it, all that. it's like you you've got to pay four hundred dollars flat. I think you've got to do like a rules meeting that you've got to pay for. Then you've got to do your first aid course. Isn't so bad, but like it's still just like ah, oh, it's okay. The what? key, it's yeah. cash. Yeah, what are we up to here? 
Yeah. yeah. Fucking hell. Um, so this weekend, classic jujitsu. Yep. Uh, I won't be there, unfortunately. I'm going away racing, fucking eight hour motorcycle race. Don't know why I'm doing that. <laughs> um, but I went to the last show and f- Tom, fucking kudos, mate. It was a brilliant show. I really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, jiu-jitsu in my backyard of the Gold Coast, Australia. Um, hey, Phil, coming into it. How long has it been since you competed? I haven't competed in nearly a year and a half. It's so been a hot minute. Yeah, exactly. It's been a little while. Um, like, last match came off a win. Like, uh, so I, I don't get too nervous when I compete anyway. Like, I know, like, the moment... Like, I was probably more nervous for this than I have been for, you know, competition. Yeah, uh, Like, in, in, like, recent years. Um, so, like, I, I don't think I'm going to be, like, you know... I'm, too bad when i come to actually competing this weekend as long as i like make sure i'm like training hard before it i'm gonna be okay yeah that's like your metric of like i'm good yeah exactly like i i find that like if i train hard right before competition like i'm fine it's when like i have a break and i like Mm. i I think like people like to dial down before competition like i want to make sure i'm like rolling as hard as possible the day before yeah yeah just so i like just remove that disconnect between like what competition is and like what training is yeah so and the thing is though like with that is the best bit of advice i ever got for competing was from craig yeah and he was just like and it's the most craig advice ever he was just like don't do anything different yeah. he's like do you listen to music before you roll in the gym and i was like no he's like okay don't do that and then he's like do you have you rolled really good with somebody after a really hard roll when you were really tired and you had your minute 30 break and i was like yeah yeah i've done that he's like so roll really fucking hard right before your first match and then roll really hard in your match and then roll really hard he's like just don't do anything different like there's nothing here that needs to change because i I was listening to fucking metallica and i was getting all psyched up and i was just so much different shit and i was like psyching myself out of these competitions and as soon as i took on that advice it seemed to go a lot better for me and i think part of it as well is because people people go like like they have how they train and like they set sort of a standard for their training and then they go and compete and they realize that like the intensity the standard for competition is very different Mm. and they think that like okay i've got to psych myself up competition something separate when really the problem is with their training and they need to train how they're going to compete yeah like like you know they need to make that adjustment there yeah like because if they feel like oh but yeah but i don't you know i don't push myself hard enough in training and therefore like i need to up the intensity for competitions like no it means you probably won't put like you need to push harder in training so that way you're pushing at a level that you need to for competition well in motocross the guys that race their training days are almost always harder than the race days yeah exactly constantly harder than the race days like you should be that should be like the easy day where you've kind of got less physically to worry about because you've got more of a mental load yeah like exactly that like you know like competition preps like like i'd say it's something that honestly it's like it started 10 years ago for me Mm. like so like you need to be making sure that all your training is leading up to the competition like the right way and yeah like I, uh, yeah, I don't think I can add much more to that. Yeah, no, no, no. No, Wait, that like, makes so, so much sense. It, like, I think just competition needs to be simplified. Yeah. Like, you just need to make sure you're training how you intend to compete, and it's as simple as that. Yeah, and then just go and pull the trigger in the same way. Exactly. Like, it shouldn't be something where you have to, like, psych yourself up for competition, because that's how you do something silly. That's how you, you, you know... Get just, adrenaline dump. And you get an adrenaline dump. Yeah. Exactly. Like, like if you psych yourself up for competition, actually, like, 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 you know, pumping the music and everything, like... I think Nicky Rod is actually probably someone that does psych himself up before training, but that's yeah. about it. He probably does the same thing in the training room, though. Oh, yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. For Polaris, like, we were, like, chilling out there, and he's like, 
you know, someone blast some DMX for me or whatever it was. And like, so I'm standing there holding his phone up, playing his music for him while he's psyching himself up. Like, but I feel like that's how he trains. I feel like too, though. So this is a, this is probably a good point to bring up. Like, that's my anecdotal experience. Like I was a white belt when Craig gave me that advice. Yeah. So like, I didn't have a wealth of my own independent knowledge that I could apply to that situation. Like I was searching for knowledge because I didn't have enough of it myself, you know? So I think that when you get to the level where you're like a black belt, you've probably done so many competitions where you have listened to music. It does get you in a great mood. It does like there's not a competition anxiety that you're trying to like squelch out of the way. And then you can embrace competition more. You can listen to dope music. You can. So it's different strokes for different folks. But my, my, uh, anecdote was more around like I guess to add the caveat like I was just a white belt that didn't have yeah. a lot of information at that point and that yeah. helped me at that time because it simplified the yeah. process but as someone at your level like you said it's 10 years of preparation essentially yeah. to get you to this point so you could do whatever you want to do that makes yeah. it you know comfortable like like we were talking about like the music just before like for example I'll listen to music but I don't listen to anything over the top and the reason I like to listen to the music is because I want to create a barrier between myself and like the audience and things like that yeah like because when I train there's no audience like it should be relaxed so I listen to music because like music like I listen to relaxing music because then I'm thinking about the music instead or I'm thinking about the flow of jujitsu I'm not thinking about like the hype of competition the yeah, crowds, the yeah, excitement. yeah yeah like trying to create that barrier yeah uh what do you think about just the fact that you can be flown up by a promotion and do a super fight in australia like to me that seems like a real big step forward in australian jiu-jitsu exactly the, the covid thing big time l for a bunch of people in a bunch of ways but it's forced some creativity within the industry it's given the opportunity like talison being the main event of the last event was fucking insane like that was oh yeah that was an incredible display of jujitsu absolutely and to have that locally like i could drive from my house and watch that like that was sick as fuck even the fact that it's on the pay-per-view and it's like at night you can watch it if you're not on the gold coast you can like literally sit down and enjoy jujitsu here it's like it's, it's got like more meaning to it you're not doing it at 1 a.m on a on a sunday exactly. morning because it's you, you, know, can, Polaris you can plan the, the evening Utah. around it yeah yeah so i think you know, from your point of view is it cool to have that now that we can actually do that absolutely and that's sort of what we talked about before like like it's good to see jiu-jitsu moving in a professional direction so it's great to see that with classic jiu-jitsu that they're like able to take those steps to make this sport more professional and like you know basically make the sport like the way it should be Mm. and like like elevate it up to like you know uh, like the same level as like other sports so that's really fantastic to see like i think they're going to have a fantastic event um and and especially as well with the live stream like it's good to have like you know the fact that they'll be able to have a live stream for the event um just like any other professional event will have i I think um it helps i think i think it lends itself to the sport to be able to do that because then it means the sport can get shared with more people and that's really what's going to help keep driving the sport yeah is like accessibility yeah and to add a personal note to that as well so i got two guys competing from my gym so i got Hennen and sean been training hard as fuck with those boys and it's that there's like a top-down effect that happens when you've got an event like that so you've got classic jiu-jitsu this saturday there's these guys that are on that that uh that card 
But every single one of those guys has training partners. Every single one of those guys has a gym that there's a vibe of, you know, like the jujitsu vibe is elevated within every gym that's on that card because all of these guys are getting ready for this sick event. It's going to be live streamed. So like that literally elevates, like I've improved because yeah. of Sean's training that he's put me through. Yeah. I've improved because of Hennen's training that he's put me through. So yeah. There's such a crazy like top-down effect Absolutely. that events like this have on the Australian scene. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that effect would be happening for every Polaris. Oh, for sure. That effect would be for every uh, EBI. You know what I mean? So we're feeling that effect. Like that does, you want to talk about a butterfly effect, that does yeah. lift the level. And that's exactly um, what I was saying with like moving down to Melbourne because like you want to make sure you like, you know, like if, you know, say for example, Craig's competing on whatever event's coming up, Lachlan's competing on whatever event's coming up it makes just the rest of us hungry for it mm. and so i think like similar sort of thing will happen like here on the gold coast is like we have classic jiu-jitsu on and you've got the best guys from all the gyms competing on this event it makes the rest of them hungry for it and they're going to be pushing to make sure that their jiu-jitsu is on a level where they get to compete on these sort of events yeah um where was, what was my uh what was my next oh your seminars yep so what are the outlines for the seminars that you've got while you're sure. up here so and what are you going to be teaching I'll just make sh- make sure I grab my uh, yeah you got your note, just so I don't you got miss any uh, make sure I don't miss any seminars. So we're doing a seminar, uh, five seminars total. So we've got uh, we've got uh, flow, Arde Suave, um, as well as we've got uh, I read think the dates, f- read the times. Oh, okay, yeah. F- I'll, I'll people d- know. All right, so tonight uh, five thirty, we're at a uh, flow. So we're going to be doing in Cooley. Yeah. Cool and yeah. Yep. So we're going to be doing uh, some leg loss tonight. We're pretty much going to be doing leg loss for all of them, but we're doing like different permutations of like the. Uh, like the topics, like for example, like um, uh, like uh, Arde Suave tomorrow night, we're going to be looking more at trying to uh, go from like defense into offense when it comes to leg locks. So, yeah. like focusing more around that. While tonight, for example, we're looking a bit more at uh, you know, open guard entries into leg locks and attacking from those positions. Yeah, yeah. And then after that, we're going to be following. Would it be easy to go off that one? Awesome. All right. So tomorrow night will be at five thirty. Arde Suave. Uh, how do you pronounce that? Wool and gather. Wool and there gather, we go. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. So that'll be on. That'll be on the uh, the the leg lock, like uh, defense and uh, counter attacks. Yeah. Then Sunday, uh, Sunday we're doubling up. So in the morning we're going to be at Full Metal Jiu Jitsu in Burley. Uh, That's at 10 literally just there. You could literally throw a rock there. Yeah, yeah. We we nearly we nearly accidentally stumbled into there. So yeah. so similar sort of thing. Um, when I was talking to to Jugs, he wanted like similar sort of thing where we're looking at more like open guard leg locks, looking at more like contemporary entries into these leg lock positions. Yeah. And then uh, pretty much straight after that, we'll be going to to uh, Team Compton uh, Training Center, um, and that's at uh, Northgate. So um, I actually haven't spoken to uh, to Elliot there yet. Um, we're going to plan out exactly what we're doing, but we're still going to be looking at leg locks. But um, probably may it likely will be like a similar vein uh, to the other two. They might want a bit more like leg lock defense. They might want like entries yeah, from like certain yeah. areas. And so that's going to be at the five thirty on the Sunday. And then uh, yeah, and oh sorry, uh, three sorry four o'clock on the uh the sunday so okay sweet. sweet four o'clock on the sunday and then monday the last one's going to be a combat training center at five thirty. so that's oh, uh varsity lakes yeah shout out combat one of our yeah. sponsors and um i actually um i think i did my first seminar there that, that was that uh, was yeah, but well, that was the old one you uh, haven't been to the new one that yeah. was that was apex training academy i'm pretty sure it was yeah and that. that's where we first met yeah 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 so and that was your first taste of leg locks was it no, Lockie's was, Lo- yeah. was the first one. Ah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, I did like Lockie's seminar, uh, Lockie's 10 day camp in Thailand. And yep. then the next time I did any leg locks other than just a straight foot lock was going and doing your. 
okay. your deal. So awesome. You're gonna be there on Monday, or I was. Yeah, I was thinking I might be able to come and make that okay. Monday. Hey, what are you doing? Like in between, we should definitely train. Yeah, I'm yeah. keen to. Um, I think Sunday we're pretty. Uh, we should train like Monday if you want to do like a morning session or something. Yeah, I'm keen for a morning session. Does that sound good? Awesome. Sweet. We covered. We covered everything. I think so. Have you enjoyed it? I've loved it. I've thoroughly enjoyed having you on. This I was could, uh this was worth the hype. Yeah. Oh, oh hype. I don't know about hype. <laughs> it was hyped up for me. Yeah, no, it I'm super st- I knew it'd be good with yeah. you as well. Like cuz we've always we always sort of nerd out on jiu-jitsu. Absolutely. I enjoy uh I I just hope I don't come across um I'm just a humble blue belt just doing my thing. I'm trying to hang with the big dogs. I always get a, I was talking to Ari uh after the Levi thing and I was like, "Fuck, it's so cringy." for me even to like literally talk about jiu-jitsu like offer any anecdotes because it's so the fucking league so i'm fully aware of the league that i I'm feel in. the same way when like knowing that someone like craig exists or Lockie exists like i'm like the same thing where i'm like oh do i even deserve an opinion yeah <laughs> how do you think i feel doing a fucking podcast with Lockie? i'm just like oh, all right what do we talk about here <laughs> but um but yeah no super keen i uh, wish i was gonna be there on uh saturday but best of luck best of skill Thank um you. i'll be catching a replay of it and then yeah hopefully we'll get to train together on monday awesome thank you jace appreciate it unreal thanks brother fucking loved it sick that was good fun